Thank you, Jesus. Let me get this squared away so I'm not. Thanks, Father. Where is Sue? Sue, let me give you this just so uh, I don't forget to, get to talk to you about it or something. You can just hold this. I'm not going to address this during the class. For, I'll talk to you about that then. Okay? Thanks. Yay. Sorry, just getting situated here. Thanks, Father. Wow. Will you say we uh, open our hearts to the Lord and just... You want to get personal for a little? Do you? Will you? You will, won't you? (laughs) Come on, let's talk to Jesus a little. Just open your heart to Him. Thank Him. Begin to thank Him that He loves you right now. Get personal. Take, don't wait for me to lead. And just right now, you, just whatever you know about the Lord, whatever, uh, even if it's just been taught to you, even if it's not necessarily really real, that's places to enter in and begin to talk to the Lord about and, and accept. Uh, Father, you've made me clean. The blood of Jesus is enough for my life. You've washed me. You've sanctified me. I so thank you. Wow, this is good. This, this thought's coming to me in the Holy Spirit, so this I want you to grab a hold of. Talking like this in the morning when you go, so thank you that I'm alive. I so thank you for the gift of life. See, so many people dread life. So many people are trying to find themselves and push their way through. No, thank you that you gave me life. Thank you for the day I was born. I appreciate, Lord God, that you brought me forth and made me in your image through Christ Jesus. And I thank you for forming me and cultivating me and Holding me in your love. Father, today I receive your love and I thank you that your heart is towards me, your face is towards me, your favor is towards me, so that I might be filled with you and reveal you in this earth. I thank you, Lord God. When I see Adam in the Bible before the tree, I can see what I was called to. When I see Jesus on the earth, filled with your spirit and anointed by God as a man, I see what you called me to be. I'm following after you. See, these are good ways to open your heart and just begin to seek Him in truth and let the grace of God come and begin to mold you. So, Father, we just look to you right now and we just thank you for this day. We thank you the gospel's alive in us. We thank you you're unchanging. You're an unchanging God. You're, you're, there's no turning. There's no shifting of shadow. You're not keeping us guessing. If you loved us yesterday, you love us today. The gifts and callings are without repentance. The, that part is not a mystery anymore. You have come out as you are through Christ and you have established our hearts in truth. And thank you, Lord God. We don't have to waver. We know who we are because we see clearly who you are through the Son of God. We don't have to waver. Father, I thank you for grace on this class, on every online listener, and just every visitor. I thank you that you establish us, that we know who we are because Christ came. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, just before we start teaching, just you personally, just thank him that it's true for you. Thank him that your life has value. Just do that. Come on. In your own heart. Thank you that you love me. Father, you absolutely love me. Teach me even more to receive your love and and teach me more your love and cause my heart to understand and embrace the truth that makes me free. Because my heart is for you. You have won my heart. You've captured my desire. Come on, talk to him. You've captured my desire and I want to grow up into you. Would you come and father me? Would you come and father me? Would you lead me through life by your spirit? Thank you. When I read the word of God, even today when Dan's teaching, would you just cause things in me to come alive? Let me see it. Let me understand. Thank you, Father. 
thank you. We love you, Lord. We just commit this time to you and give our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Good, 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 good. Jay. Thanks, Father. I, uh, I've been trying to get on fasting for a couple days and haven't gotten there. I think we're just going to wait till that happens, maybe, huh? We, uh, I wanted to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, too. There's a couple topical things that I want to get into during the school. I'm just listening uh, to see if there's grace. That's, uh, yeah, okay. That's just, let's just pursue, uh, let's pursue the fasting thing a little bit. I probably, uh, <laughs> when I asked that day, we had fun. Brent, you were funny. <laughs> half of you lifted your hands and the other half didn't do nothing. And he said, we're, we're, we're going down the restaurant. We'll be back when you're done. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And then, and then the other day, I was going to teach it. We were having the picnic right afterward. I said, no wonder I couldn't preach on fasting. You guys already had a feast planned. <laughs> Actually, it's just principles. It's principle. Did you notice how much in this school I talk about motives and the directive of your heart? It's huge. Fasting's the same way. It's huge. And uh, see, I want to talk about it just because I'm not getting a lot of grace to talk about that. Okay. Let's go to First John. Shifted gears on you guys. Thanks, Father. Thanks, Father. So, yeah, we're, we're good. I know where we're, where we're going here. Thank you, Lord. You guys remember in earlier in class, we hit 1 John 1, we talked about not identifying with sin, identifying with righteousness, how the church, we've grown up thinking that we're always, we're always in fellowship with sin. Who's grew up with that Christian mentality that sin is always the way of our life? Who's grew up with that mentality? Honestly, I want to see your hands. And, and then, yeah. And that, you know, phrases like this, that, and maybe you weren't familiar with these, but they were around me growing up, like, uh, even if we're not aware of it, we're probably always sinning. Did you hear those comments before? Okay. Uh, A lot of us have. We covered that real good. We talked about, you know, the scripture where it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. And, and he's talking about calling people into fellowship. And it's the same fellowship. Remember 1 John 1? Let me rehash this real quick without... I just want to let... Because we're heading somewhere right now. See where we're going to go. I, I thought we were going to probably jump in here next week. But I'm going here now. I actually have a real momentum in my heart right now. I'm excited for all of us. I'm happy for... Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. That which we've seen. Remember 1 John 1? Let me just read it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. This is intimate, man. This is John writing, saying, we were there. Which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you. So we've seen, 
we've bear witness and we declare to you <clears throat> that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. It's amazing. He's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about Jesus. And he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you, this is huge, that you also may have fellowship with us. So what's he doing? He's calling you in to relationship with God. He's calling you into the reality of God. He's saying, look, we've seen, we've touched, we've felt. He's been made known to us. Manifest means to see and know, to realize. He's saying, we're sharing this with you, not to say, we were with the Lord, we were with the Lord. He's, he's saying it because the door's open for us to have the same thing. You following? So he's an apostle, right? Uh, there's a theology out there that says, well, that was for the apostles. People say, well, you can't be an apostle because they, they all saw the Lord. We didn't see the Lord. He's saying we've seen him and we're declaring him to you and our fellowship is with him and we're declaring him to you so your fellowship can be with us in him too so you can have what we have. And they're saying they've seen him. What they're saying is that we can have a relationship as if we've seen him too. You following? So don't let anybody limit you in knowing God. (laughs) Don't let anybody. There's some things you have to protect. Don't put boundaries around and protect yourself from people. You're loving people. You're to love people. People are not a threat to you because you're not vulnerable because you love and you're in Christ. But there are some things you have to protect in your belief system. And and, and there's some things you don't let people limit. And it says, remember, let no man take you captive or hold you prisoner. See to it that no one robs you or binds you with empty deceit, basic principles of life, just human wisdom. There's some things you protect in your soul. You don't let people limit you. You know, the limited talking like, like uh, so Anthony just gets saved and he's on fire and people say, man, buddy, you need to slow down a little, man. You got a long way to run. You ain't going to run running at that kind of pace. You got to slow down and find some balance in your life, brother. They're just flat out wrong. (laughs) You don't hate them. You don't get mad at them. You don't backbite them. You don't criticize. They're just wrong. They don't know what they understand what they're saying. And and they might be teaching out of their own experience. It might have happened to them or somebody they knew. But then we put that and project that on somebody else's heart that's on fire. And, and, and you, you don't realize how much of this is, is strategic enemy oriented where he tries to keep working the way that seems right to man through our souls to keep the gospel suppressed. That's why you've heard a lot of limitation in, in, around you and in people's speech in your Christian life. And we've all heard it. We've, well, you know, just even putting everything on God. Just as if, if God wants to, great. If he doesn't, hey, you know. And no believer priesthood, no authority of the name of Jesus, no power of the Spirit. As if everything's just in this sovereign pool with God. And we're just here on the earth and whatever will be, will be. That is a nonchalant, deceived, that is wrong. It's unscriptural. There's an authority in the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. He said, I give you authority. I give you power over all power. 
Ephesians 1 says, we're the body of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The reason I'm going to talk about what I'm talking today is because you can't go on a tangent and go on a power surge and search. We, we, we take on the heart of God. We take on the nature of God. We take on the eyes of God. And then we begin to manifest him more. We don't, in this school, you're, we're not just going to teach on, on just the supernatural in the sense of just out of the gate, just trying to walk in the power of God. I heard Leif Hetland one time say, and I really respected it. I said, that's, man, you don't hear that much. And I just, I love it because there's some things we, we get on tension. We just want to see miracles. And he said, you know, I feel like we've been teaching on miracles and pursuing supernatural stuff so much. He said, it's like we're putting dynamite in little kids' hands. And yet they don't know the Father and the Father's love and they're offended and hurt and things begin to motivate them that, that aren't even the Spirit of God. And now they still have this dynamite. And it's just, and it's a good analogy. Because you can, you can get aware of a gift and function in it and have your heart not formed in Christ. You follow me? Yes. Jenny. Yeah, I can. He said, I only see, that was on his earthly ministry. Now we have to understand that that phrase there, you can teach on being led by the Spirit at the same time, because you, you want to be led by the Spirit, but at the same time, you have to be careful you don't limit the working of the Spirit through that phrase. Because here's the deal. We see Jesus. We've looked upon Him. So if Jesus tells us to go ye therefore, that's the Father saying it. So we don't need the Holy Spirit now to lead us and say, go ye therefore, see the Father. Jesus is the Father revealed. So whatever word you have from the Lord, whatever, go into every city, whatever city you're in, heal the sick there. You already have a green light. You don't, you absolutely do not need the leading of the Spirit of God to approach a sick person and love on them and pray for them. You already have that leading through Jesus and the Word, and the Word is Spirit and life. However, Holy Spirit will lead you sometimes, draw you extra specially towards someone or highlight someone in a crowd. But it is my Christian privilege and love to just walk up to someone and be a blessing. Just to make conversation and bless and speak life over or pray for. It's my privilege. The door is open to love. It's rare. It's rare that Holy Spirit would say, no, 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 not now or not that one or don't do that. Is it possible? Sure, that's where we grow and fine-tune a relationship. Most of the time people say they don't feel led. It's, it's usually... Forgive me for this and hear me through. Uh, I'm not judging people. I've, I've just pastored for a while and people are honest behind the scenes. Usually when we say I don't feel led, it's, it's self-consciousness, a little insecurity, a little uncertainty, and it's our feelings and emotions speaking. It's not God saying, look, I paid the price for them for their redemption, but don't love them now. <laughs> it's usually us talking ourselves out of it because we're unsure. And, and we've made this thing a little too mystical, only doing what I see the Father do and saying, there is times He leads you by the Spirit. There's times in services, especially gifting, He'll, he'll show you things, you can see things, and do those things. That is totally scriptural, totally true. But any commandment you have from the Lord, anything you see in the life of Jesus that He told you to follow is already a given. Because he's, he's the Father revealed. When you see him, you see the Father. If Jesus is saying go, the Father's saying go. And you don't need the leading of the Spirit. 
you have the leading of the word, which is spirit and life. The spirit and the word are one. You get it? So don't over-spiritualize that topic in your life because that phrase, I haven't felt led, well, I just didn't feel led to go over to him, brother. I was just with Global for a day, and Randy Clark uh, has that, that video, Wonder If or something. I don't know what it's titled. Remember, Brent? It showed the girl in the supermarket and the boy in the wheelchair, and, and she's looking, and she's getting groceries, and she's drawn. She's convicted. Why? Because the love of God... And then she walks away and then there's a a lady pulls up to a lady and they're crossing the street with the kids and she gets a vision of her husband and her heart breaking and him yelling and them leaving and and she gets this vision and should I share the vision and and she drives away and see those kind of convictions who do those kind of convictions come to in this room pretty regular should I touch should I talk should I pray right (laughs) they come it's you're awakened inside to the possibilities, to the doorway of love, to the opportunity and privilege that you can love on who you want to. <laughs> it's your privilege. You don't have to. You get to. It's, it's your privilege. But to say, well, I didn't feel led. I, I've heard a lot of people in my life say, boy, God showed me this. And I was walking down the mall and God showed me this about this young man. And I said, man, well, how'd it go? Did you pray? Well, I didn't actually pray for him. I just didn't feel led at the time. And, and that's rare that, that God's just doing that. And, and I've heard people say, you've got to put a bridle on the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to da-da-da. And we overcomplicate things. Like just because God showed you, you don't, have to, you don't touch it. It doesn't mean you always have to give the word. Or you don't. And, and I understand what people are trying to say. But when you're out in public and God's giving the information, we tend to come up with a theology that reduces it to intercession and pray for him from the car because we're more comfortable doing that. I'm just being real. It's easier to sit in your car and pray for them and then spiritualize it and say, God didn't want me to talk to them because they're not ready to receive, so I just prayed for them. That'll sell in any circle. That sounds good. I can accept the principle. In a sense, could be right, but I'm just telling you it's rare that God's going to pull you back from loving somebody and making contact with people because he said, go ye therefore. He said, preach the gospel everywhere and to every creature. We've turned it into a, a Bible thump, I understand sometimes, and a heaven-hell thing instead of I love you thing, or Jesus says love through our lives. And I think that's why we have a lot of these reservations, because we're not sure how people are going to respond, if they're ready to respond. Listen, they might not be ready to get born again, but they've been long waiting to be sincerely loved, and they are ground to be sown into from the time they were born. Amen. The seeds have been waiting to get in their heart. And you're the one that sower sows the word. So you can sow seed. And if you would embrace a faith that you're, you're not under any pressure when you love people because love is free and easy. You're, you're not, you don't have a goal. Your goal is loving them. We think we've got to accomplish something and achieve and get a response. And it is pressure, and, and then you feel like you can fail. When you carry pressure and you have that goal, then you feel like you can fail. So Christians with good hearts in their perspective are set up to fail instead of just freely love. 
So then we don't step out and do it because it might not get accomplished. And then I'll feel bad. And I, well, I'm not the best evangelist. Well, I don't know. It just never, it seems like people don't receive from me. And all of a sudden these little lies keep building. Now a stronghold's over you. And now your heart wants to love and you never step because it's because we've set up, we've set goals. We've set up things that we think should happen. Sometimes we teach in, 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 in from the pulpit, and, and the Lord was really showing me this a while back. You know, sometimes we, we share too, many, too much of a highlight clip from the pulpit and too many of the most, because the people love it. People love it. They love to see and hear what God's doing. But I've learned that we take a standard den, and we think if we don't walk into Walmart and everybody's on the floor shaking the fire of God and everybody's healed, if that doesn't happen, we really haven't arrived. So we, we get a picture so high that we don't appreciate all the things God's doing through the sowing of our lives into people. Serious. We, we miss the beauty of small things. We miss the beauty of sowing a seed and knowing it's going to grow. The Bible says the seed, the kingdom, it's Mark 4, the kingdom of God is if a man sowed a seed, the smallest of seed, a mustard seed. But when it is sown... It grows. When it is sown, it grows <laughs> into the biggest of trees. And sometimes we teach and we get a perspective and we get a picture painted that's way bigger than where we've grown. And then we're always trying to get somewhere. And we always feel less than we should be spiritually. That's why a lot of people aren't really encouraged. Because we're comparing ourselves among ourselves. We're listening to certain sermons, certain testimonies. We're brother so-and-so. Man, he's growing. Man, Well, that never happened for me. Well, man, I was just once. I'd see. And then we forget to see the beauty and the faith and the love in every way that you can touch people. Are you following? Come on. You, we should be so encouraged. Because the Spirit of God is in us. He loves us and he loves the world around us. He paid the price we learned in the school that he didn't just forgive our sins, but the sins of the whole world. He is waiting through us to show mercy to people. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God speaking better things than the blood of Abel. It's mercy towards the earth and Satan cannot stop the mercy of God. So he's trying to stop us from showing it. <laughs> Serious. So he gets Christians trapped in legalism, in judgment, in self-centered living, in hurt and unforgiveness, hurt and offense. And all of a sudden, here's this merciful God that wants to show his mercy to the earth through his people. Ephesians 3, reveal his manifold wisdom through the church to the powers of darkness. <laughs> he wants to show mercy. <laughs> He really does. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Love covers a multitude of sin. Come on, it's not some cushy, enabling perspective. It's humbling, transforming, life-changing experience when somebody gives you what you don't deserve but truly, sincerely gives it to you without a string attached. And sometimes people don't even realize the string's not there until in time. They're, they're sure there has to be one, even if they don't see it, because nothing's just that free, and nothing could be that sincere, and nothing could be that good. But he is, isn't he? 
And sometimes it's not until they realize that that the impact of what you did hits them. Sometimes, guys, it's not until you walk away from an encounter with someone that they realize you didn't have a hidden agenda. And until you walk away and they realize that they're a little on guard, even though their heart's receiving something. But when you walk away and they realize there was nothing in it for you but love, it changes everything. Right then's when it could hit that person. But if we're so analytical and so introspective and we're here trying to figure this all out mentally, we're going to miss living out of the heart. And we're going to be observing with outward observation instead of just living pure and giving people the kingdom. And I can assure you, and we could cover scriptures if you like, it is the will of God for you to give people the kingdom. And, and that comment, and Jenny asked, it was a good question. I'm glad she asked it. The life of Jesus is the will of God. And the things that he's commissioned us to are the leading of the Spirit. You don't need a specific voice in your life called the voice of Holy Spirit to tell you what to do in the way of loving people. If he leads you in that direction specifically, highlights somebody, you wake up and you see somebody up the street's face in your heart and God says, go to their house now, go to their house. Praise God, that's awesome. But don't limit your love life to those encounters. I hear people say, I only do it when God tells me. I say, well, when's the last time you step out and love somebody? Oh, it's been a couple months. See, if you really think about that, he didn't send his son, pay the price, raise him from the dead, pour out his spirit, and the whole earth... The whole earth is groaning. God's love is now. God's finished work is now. <laughs> salvation, the time of salvation is now. <laughs> and we're so spiritual that we're not loving them until we're led by the Spirit. And six months goes by and we've talked to two people and didn't even pray with nobody. <laughs> Come on, get real with me. That is not the will of God. <laughs> and it is not that difficult and complex. He is not holding us back. <laughs> we hold ourselves back with that kind of believing and that kind of thinking. Are you guys all right? <laughs> See, there's, there's no pressure in what I, It's not like, you know, we're not going to pan out survey sheets. How many people did you love today? We're not keeping record. You're, you're not competing with one another. It's the greatest joy in your life when you get so out of yourself and, and he begins to build up in your life. You start seeing yourself through him and all of a sudden your heart starts drawing towards people outside of your own self and, and then all of a sudden you step that way and love somebody. It's the funnest. It's the most it's exhilarating. It's not that you're drawing your identity. It's because you found your identity. And it's actually an expression of what God's sculpting you in. It's the outpouring of what he's forming you in. It's called love. I tell the story all the time of one of the first people I've ever prayed for in public. I was saved for a while. And, and I'm in my bedroom and I'm praying and I'm seeking Jesus. And I'm praying in ways that a lot of Christians would have told me to find balance. <laughs> I'm just glad you weren't in my bedroom with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, do you have a question or something or a comment? And then uh, I, I, I go, I'm at the post office, and I'm in a long line. It's 11 people, and I'm thinking, wow, this is busy. And I, I'm running over. I, I think I came from church, but I, I, I ran in there. 
And I'm standing there, and this, this dear lady is, is three people from the counter or so, and she's talking. She's elderly, and she's talking about all the pains and, and how the arthritis is getting so bad. And, oh, I'm just hanging on there, and it's getting so bad. And, and I'm standing there, and I'm not sitting in power and love conferences. I'm not having people teach me what we're teaching today, but I'm alone with him in the bedroom. He's forming my heart in love. There was this compassion that just automatically, it wasn't something I had to... Okay, she's in need. Spirit of God's in me. She's hurt. He said lay hands on the sick and heal. Technical principles. Okay, and now some Christian robot walks over. Excuse me. My name is Dan. I'm supposed to pray for you. Ah! No! I'm standing there and it was just called compassion. This sense of care for her. Just a sense of concern for her. Just, wow, you know, I just believe that can change. I, I believe the gospel's great enough. And, and of course, I had already seen some cool healing, some neat stuff. So that really helps as you step out and you start moving and you get a little Christian experience. You, you see God move. You get a right perspective of faith to where you can't be discouraged that if you don't see something woe right away that you're, well, I never happened for me, brother. No, you're loving people. You're releasing the kingdom. You're opening the doorway for the possibilities of God every time you step out past yourself. You ought to embrace that and be excited and not talk yourself out of it. See, the reason people have such mind battle in this area is because it's such a threat. <laughs> it's, there's a demonic strategy there to quench what was accomplished through Christ. Just to get us to build churches on every street corner and pay homage to God. Instead of live like him. Come on. It's called religion. It's called a form of godliness denying the power. Let's just build a church on every street corner. And let's look like a Christian nation. And let's go there on a certain day. And pay homage to him. And worship him. Places of worship. Your life lived in Christ in agreement with the nature of God. is the highest worship you'll ever walk in. The highest worship and glory and honor towards God is when your life is formed in love and you're manifesting it in the world you live in. That's, the great, that's greater than the most incredible song you ever heard sung. It's the highest form of worship there is. A life surrendered and consecrated and given, walking in love. It's, it's a constant daily worship unto God. Because think of the word worship and think of, I'm not just talking about the tangible singing out of the heart and all the psalms and the words and the shout and the singing and all that stuff you could break down and teach on, on physical worship. I'm talking about true worship, honoring Him, giving Him glory with a life surrendered and a life lived in His image. It's a total honor to God. It's a total exalting of who He is through the manifestation of your life. Isn't that cool? But I, I was standing there and compassion rose up and, I, and out of my mouth with 11 people in there, nobody was teaching me I should do this. That's the only paradox we run in. You, you, you can't be moved by compulsion. You can't just say, man, I, I need to be doing this. If anything, if, I, if, that, if that's not really in my heart, I, I would ask myself, why, why wouldn't I want to? Yeah. And then I get along with God and if it feels like I really don't want to, Father, would you just touch my heart in this area? Because when I hear this, it's like, whatever. And I don't feel like, and, 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 I, and I hear you are love. And I know, Jesus, you've done all these mighty things. Man, work that in me. Put that in me. Father me. If, if you want that compassion rising up in me, here I am. Here's my heart. You make yourself available. You'd be amazed how things will just shift and change in your life. 
Instead of just trying to figure it all out and do it all. Just get along with him. Just give yourself to him. See, most of the ways I teach is through relationships. You give yourself to him. Let him at you. Let, Let faith come out of you and let grace save you. Let faith come out of you and let grace change you. You get in agreement. You say yes. And God makes you that yes. It's, it's serious. It's that simple. But I just remember compassion. And I lifted up my voice. I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, uh, I know you don't know me. And everybody's like looking like what? Because I, I spoke up. Yeah. And as soon as I mentioned praying for her. And, and listen, I've been, I've been learning and growing a lot. However, I said it to her in some areas. But there's compassion. When I heard you say that, I would just be honored. I know you don't know me. And if it bothers you, that's fine. You just leave. I don't want to pressure you. I want to bless you. Something like that. I don't know. It wasn't a quote. You're not to write that down and try to repeat it. It, it just comes out of your heart. And we don't teach in steps on purpose. Because we'd take them, wouldn't we? <laughs> and we'd be like... no it's you being the best you you are in Christ you being who you're growing to be in him it's you being the beauty of the uniqueness and just the preciousness of who you are in him it's you growing in that and you just being the best you right so I spoke up people get so weirded out the whole place gets quiet they're looking down nobody's having conversation anymore it's so funny. Over half of them probably attend church regular. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that could be, seem like I'm speculating there. But I've found that a lot of people attend church somewhere. <laughs> and as soon as I mentioned praying for her in public and taking a step of faith and moving forward to love, the whole room got silent and got weird and nobody even chit-chatted anymore. Because mm-hmm. I'm in the room and I made that statement and it's like everything just got... And now everybody's just... Waiting to get through the line. Yeah, I tell you, I need a book of stamps. Yeah, thank you. It's amazing how that can be. But this dear lady gets up to the counter and pays the stamps. I was shocked that people didn't push me to the front of the line. Because I'm way back. Because she turned and said, excuse me, sir. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'll be waiting there on the bench for you. And tears just filled my eyes. I said, Really? Because I wasn't sure how she'd respond. I didn't put an expectation on her, but I sure felt the love for her. And she said, I'll be waiting on the bench for you. I said, really? I said, oh, God bless you. I said, I'll be there as soon as I can. Well, you think, you think somebody would have said, just cut the line, man. But nobody did. You know, that's okay. They just, and she just patiently sat out there and waited on this bench. And I'm making, I'm like, come on, this is awesome. (laughs) And I paid for my stuff, got my stuff, my stamps, whatever I was getting. I don't even remember what I was doing there. I just know she was there. I ran over there and I said, hey, man, that's awesome. You waited. I said, I heard you. I just overheard you. You were talking and, oh, it just grabbed my heart. And I just thought, man, I want to pray for you. And I tell people this a lot because it convicts people because you usually have people listening in. And I'll say stuff like, you know, all my life I thought being a Christian was going to church. But Jesus is teaching me it's loving people. And it's loving one another. I used to think Christianity was tending in a service somewhere. Christianity's following Jesus. And I promise if he was in this room, he'd want to touch you. I believe he is in this room because he's in us. So how about giving me your hand? Oh, see you do that. <laughs> oh, man, see, I feel that. That's the love of God. 
Oh. I know we don't live sensual, but feelings are fun when they're in God and they're healthy. Because <laughs> right now I feel fuzzy. <laughs> well, here, because this is, that's a, this is a foundational remembrance. Who's, who got, has those building blocks in your life where you have things that you reflect on and that God did? And, and you're like, oh. And it just, they're like the memory stone things, right? Well, this is one of them for me. Because I got out in the parking lot. It was the old Delco Plaza Mall. It's, it's not really there like it was then. Remember the old Delco Plaza in York? Here's some of you that are local, and it had the post office right in there and stuff. I'm in there. I come out. My truck's parked back pretty far because we were joking today. I have this thing. I, I, just in case there's a parking lot in heaven, I always park way in the back because the last are first and the first are last. So just in case there's a parking lot in heaven, I'm not always trying to push in front of you and get a better spot than you. I'll just park in the back because I just might be in the front someday for eternity. But I'm just in case, even if it's just one day. Some of you guys are going to be so far back that you won't e- we won't even see you. Because <laughs> you're praying for that front spot every day of your life. <laughs> and I'm just pulling in the back and walking. And one day... <laughs> Just, I think God's going to have one day for a parking lot, and I'm just going to be right in front. <laughs> it's so funny. You guys are so gracious uh, up at Global. You know, you put a foot reserved, and I, I spoke up already reserved for speaker a damn morning. And I don't park there. I park way over the corner, and I'll get somebody that's elderly. So I say, hey, take my spot up there. Just park up there. It's okay. Really? Yeah, park up there. Because one day I get to heaven, and going to reserve for my son. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Parking, and and then the throne's gonna be right here. I just pull right in. <laughs> and some of you, it's gonna take eternity. It's gonna take eternity for you to get there. <laughs> just a thought. I'm having fun. So I am messing up so bad. <laughs> Sorry, online people. I know they got you online, man. You didn't. You didn't register for this. We got to get on track here. Well, just have fun. Watch this. <laughs> it's just a thought. Considering others highly, more highly than yourself is kind of the thought. Isn't it funny how people could go to park and somebody pulls in right in front of them and you think the devil took your parking spot. And some other person needs a park just like you. <laughs> Just a thought. We can get very self-focused if we're not careful. So I get out in the parking lot. Jesus touches this lady. I don't have to go into detail with all that. It's just was sweet. I get out in the parking lot. And my pastor was always teaching me, don't let your ministry become your identity. Let your identity produce ministry. So that's healthy thought. That's a real healthy thought. Don't you start drawing your identity through what you're doing for the Lord or in the Lord. You draw your identity from his love for you and let that release ministry. You get it? So I'm coming across the parking lot and I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest, in the feeling place, the emotions and the excitement of my heart, I was, I was buzzing. Who knows, who knows what I'm talking about? You, you bless somebody and something happens or you hear a clear word and you see him crying and Jesus is all over him and you turn and you're like, it's like the happiest moment of your life. Because they're getting blessed and God loved them through you and you're in the middle of love. You're in the middle of what you're created for, see? You're right in the center 
And it's like the, everything else goes still. Do you, do you, does anybody relate to what I'm talking about in that time? And see, that's why. I've, I've learned that's why it's so like that because this is what happened to me. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm, I'm not ashamed if people know I believe. So I'm out in the parking lot and I was excited and I didn't think that I was making a bad representation. People are going to think I was nuts. I don't do it all the time. But I was shouting in the parking lot. I was getting loud. I was over at my truck and I lifted my hands and I was yelling to Jesus. I, for, I forgot where I was, honestly. So I wasn't trying to make people think, oh, he's weird. But I was walking to my truck and I felt like skipping. I, you see me do that preaching already. I skip a little bit and Pastor Don throws his leg, but every once in a while I get flaky and skip, you know. And uh, I need to learn that leg thing. It's better than skipping, maybe. (laughs) But I'm going halfway to my truck, and I said, Lord, the thought hit me. I'm pretty happy right now. I wonder if I'm letting my identity come through ministry. And it was one of those little, I just kind of checked, like, what's really happening here? Because I'm feeling really good in the Lord right now. And I stopped right in the parking lot. And I said, Lord... Am I like drawing too much out of this like for an identity thing or because I am so excited. I feel like, oh my goodness, just like yelling. And, and I said, am I drawing my identity from ministry? And, and the Lord answered me so quick. He, it was like he chuckled. He says, no, Dan. He said, you feel this way because you're walking in the very reason you're created. And uh, when I heard that, I went, I'm in the Delco Plaza parking lot. And I heard that and I went, yes, Jesus, I love you. And I was screaming. I forgot where I was because I was in him. And I figured that's where I was in him. And I forgot I was in the parking lot. And I was like, I love you. You're amazing. And I was like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to love people. And it just was clicking and getting so, and I got in my truck and it was just, ah! and you know, you could have been looking from a distance thinking, oh my God. And you know, you could say, talk to me, Dan, you need to calm down, bad representation. People think, you know, I, all I know is it was a foundational, wonderful time in my life. Now watch, if I'm not sincerely seeking him and, and I'm not sincerely that thought, the reason I go, is because I am giving myself to him. I do want to grow. I am. So as you see that, there, there's, it, it goes hand in hand. People that don't have their heart in that place don't understand my excitement. So then we feel like we have to judge it and set it straight and find balance. <laughs> Are you following me? <laughs> but See, you're too late for me. I'm not trying to. I know in my heart I'm not trying to stumble people. But in that situation, that experience sealed me. It gave me a revelation. It sealed me in an area where there's no turning back. I'm on the earth to love you like God loves me. I'm on the earth for the Spirit of God to flow through me and bring help, deliverance, comfort, healing, encouragement, even healthy, good correction and light into people's lives. I am not on the earth to feel fuzzy and have a good circumstantial day. I'm on the earth that in the midst of life, I look like my father. That's why I'm on the earth. And even if I'm not ministering, specifically ministering, my heart is living from his. 
My motives are pure. The whys are clean. So that everything that I'm doing has grace on it and prospers. Are you following me? (laughs) That sure beats sitting around analytical, criticizing, jealous, nitpicking. Come on. Because what else is there? There's one or the other. (laughs) If you're not doing one, you're doing the other. (laughs) Let's get real. (laughs) So we should be pursuing this place for the manifestation of God, right? It's why we're Christians, church. The reason we're Christians is to love. It's not to go to heaven. It's not to move in gifts. We're Christians to love. That's first. I promise gifts will flow through love. God can tell himself anything. So if your heart gets in agreement with his, you certainly have an in with God. If you get in a secret place and you continue to yield your heart to him and yield yourself to him and kneel down before him and and, and just give yourself to him, even just in faith and prayer, I'm telling you, he will sculpt and etch your heart and mold your heart and shape your heart and you'll start feeling like him, thinking like him and looking through his eyes. Why? Because you really, really do want to. That's how simple this thing is. You really, really want to. Dan, it's got to be more than that. If it was more than that, it wouldn't be grace. Come on. Now, this when I feel this is going to... You've got to really stick with me on this. I'm not being hard with anybody. Just bear with me and hear this clear. Why wouldn't we put our heart in that place the only reason could be is because we do have certain sellout prices and sense of lines drawn that people can cross and we still do reserve certain rights and we say one thing but we mean another and if that's not the case then it's just a sense of lack of understanding so let's get the understanding and let's run with it it can only be one or the other Why wouldn't I want to live from his heart when I see this? The only reason would be is because I want to live with some other aspect of heart. (laughs) Because I'm still coveting an area in the flesh. Because I'm still holding on to something that came by default through the fall. I'm still holding on to something that if you say something to me a certain way, then it positions me a certain way rather than just loving. Do you understand? And the only way, guys, that I can live this way and be sincere and actually it be my reality is when you're not looking. I'm going to pass a whole lot of people today. I thank you. I see them through your eyes. I reserve no rights. My life is yours. It's in you and you're in me and I am so privileged. Thank you that you, the God of the universe, would be my father. I could be your son. I've got the keys to the car i got life in front of me. You've given me the world. Thank you. I'm going to go take a drive in your car. Come on, there's a mindset there. And, and I'm not a hurt, touchy, offended man. I thank you that people could never possibly be my enemy. You just sometimes need to affirm that stuff in prayer to keep your heart free. Because you'd be amazed... How natural wisdom sneaks in there and the way you were formerly taught and felt, how that'll creep in and all of a sudden you'll draw a line 
and stop living the kingdom because of stuff. You'll stop thinking kingdom thoughts. You'll stop loving kingdom love. And you shift a gear. If you're doing what I'm saying here, it's, you don't, you don't, you're not even trying to live this way. It becomes you. Like, I tell people, I, I have never woke up and bit my lip to be a Christian. I've never tried to be a Christian. I don't even know what that means, really. Because that sounds weird to me, trying to live the Christian life. I'm sure if I looked, I could find a book that's titled How to Live the Christian Life. But if you open up the pages, it probably doesn't talk about communion and fellowship with God as much as... So please, oh God, please don't read those books. Get on your knees and get alone with Him. (laughs) Or you're going to throw yourself into works. It's not how to live the Christian life. It's how to be a son. And it's how to walk in love. And you follow Jesus. So look to Jesus. Get alone. Jesus, you're amazing. Man, the way how you did that. Martha and Mary, it almost looked like they were accusing you. Like it was your fault Lazarus was dead. But you didn't seem pressured by that. You weren't taken back by that. You were moved with compassion. Even when the people were crying and you groaned. And I looked that word up. It meant vexed and indignant toward and murmur against. You weren't crying because Lazarus was dead. You were crying because people are so fallen. But instead of judging them, instead of getting hurt, instead of taking their life personal, you just raise the dead. Not because you were under pressure to, because you love. See, that's the way I pray. And I feel Holy Spirit is teaching us to pray through the Word of God. Because if I get alone and I see that in the Bible and I'm reading and I slip to my... I'm reading the story of Lazarus on my bed and I'm slipping to my knees now I'm weeping because Jesus is amazing. You follow me? Come on. He's got Pharisees coming. And, and they're, 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 they're trying to trap and trick and accuse. And, 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 and he knows it. He knows their motive. He's not wrong. He's not judging and projecting. He's not presumptuous. Jesus is not presumptuous. He knows. Right? So he knows their motive is twisted. He knows they're trying to trick him and get the people to judge him. And and, and that if he does this work, now they have true accusation against him in front of the people. And he knows all that. Come on, if we were faced with that kind of knowledge of men's motives, how would we handle it? How would we spiritualize it? (laughs) Come on, he knows all that. And it doesn't change love. He knows the man with the withered hand is a scapegoat. He's a guinea pig. He's just being exploited. They don't love that man. They're pointing out his need to trap him. Amen. He knows the man might not have any understanding. He, he knows if the man agrees with their motive. He knows if the man's just nervous and why are you picking on me? He knows all that stuff. But isn't it amazing that all that stuff that he knows has nothing to do with who he is and how he responds. That's how free I want to be. 
That's the stuff that motivates me to pray and get alone when you're not looking. Because I don't want to just sing to him. I want to live like that because that's amazing. I want to be so free in my heart that I'm not sitting there with spite hidden down inside of me thinking things that are wretched towards you but smiling all the while. I want to be free. I want to look at you and have compassion if you're way out of bounds. I want to look at you and be moved in love if you're way off course. I don't want love to change because love never fails. And I want to be sincere. Are you following me? I look at these stories and it just... I don't just want him so I have eternal life. I don't just want what he can do for me. I want him to make me like him. Because when I look at stories like that, that is not what we grew up with, guys. And we can go to church for 30 years and that stuff still isn't real to us. I want to have the whole room with weird and twisted motives and see right through it and not be threatened. (laughs) And still see the value of those Pharisees to where you would take a nail for them. Because if you do, they just might see and step into truth. (laughs) Come on, I'm going to skip. Come on, it's the integrity of the gospel, guys, or it's just some self serving bless me thing. No, it's a transform me, strip me of everything the flesh and the fall taught me. I empty myself to you. And I'll read a story like that the man with the withered hand, and I'll read it. Man, I'll just. Well, it's on me now. It's what I do. I I lay my Bible down. I slip to my knees. You're absolutely amazing, Jesus. Nothing moves you but love. You love people. I have to be that. I mean, you don't maybe say these prayers, but it's almost like if I'm not that, kill me. I don't want to live. If I'm not that, what am I doing? You get that serious in your heart because then you close the door to all the other compromise. You follow me? Come on, you get that serious in your heart. It's make me that, or why should I live? Because then it's just something for me, and it's at the cost of someone. I'm done living at the expense of you. God did not place you on the earth to serve me. So why should I have all them expectations and disappointments and frustrations and heartbreaks? You were not made to serve me. You are not on the earth to make my day. You're on the earth in my shoes. Here's how I see it. You are on the earth so that I can be privileged to manifest what he's doing in my heart. You are an avenue of expression of what he's created me for. He looks at man in his image. He's full of God. When he looks at Adam, he sees himself and he looks around at all the other animals and he says, there is none comparable to you. There's nowhere for who you are to flow. I made you so amazing you look like me. And there's nowhere to go with it. 
So out of the fullness of love, out of the fullness of purity, out of the fullness of God in man, he reaches down inside of him and brings out a woman. Not because he was alone. Because he was the manifestation of God. He was love. He was full and complete. He didn't reach in because he was alone. (laughs) Get this. He reached in because he was a manifestation needing to happen of love. And he pulls out the woman and now love can flow. Love can be received. Love can be given. Love can be multiplied. So he takes what's one and breaks it up into two and gives it the privilege to have one heart, one motive, one purpose. Two with one. (laughs) And we've been reduced to, well, you haven't been meeting my needs. (laughs) Well, you just haven't been what I thought you would be for me. Forgive me, I'm wound up. There's nothing I can do about it. It's it's no turning back. This thing, forgive me. Huh? You all right? I'm not scaring nobody. Come on, it's love. Isn't it why we're alive? Isn't it who Adam was before the tree? Come on, it was the tree. ah! You got to look before the tree to find who you are. We're still trying to find who we are through life and the way we've lived and what's happened. And No, you've got to look before the tree to find the truth about you. Christ is the last Adam. He's removed sin. The tree is out of the picture. It's never again about sin. It's about father and sonship and love. He made a way. Oh, this thing, it's the greatest story there ever was. We sell out for Hollywood and passion and starry-eyed emotion. (gasps) And I'm talking about a love that never fails. Imagine God. So imagine God. He makes this man and he gives him one, one thing. He says, look, here's really what he was saying. You weren't created for evil. You weren't even created for the knowledge of evil. You were created to know me, to walk in me, to walk in purity, to walk in innocence. Don't eat that tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. It's a command. Don't eat the tree. But it's not a command in the sense of do's and don'ts. Don't eat the tree because it's not what you were created for. You're created for my image. Now imagine Adam eating the tree. God gives him everything. Gives him the earth. But it's a love thing, guys. If it's not a love thing, God comes down and says, what do you mean you ate the tree? You've got to be kidding me. Look, I brought you up out of the dust. You'd be nothing if it wasn't for me. I brought you up out of the dust. What have I failed? What haven't I given you? I've given you the earth. I've given you the authority to subdue. I told you one thing and you couldn't do it. Why did you do this to me? How could you break my heart like this? I put all myself in you, all my confidence, all my trust. And the best you could do was hide treason and eat that tree. Come on, that's what we grew up with. God's amazing. I love him so much. He looks down and man, he 
tree and God still sees who he made him to be. God looks down and in God's heart, nothing changes. Same potential, same destiny, same value to the tune of the death of his own son. Well, all that has to happen now is since you did this and died, my son's going to have to die because you have to live because you're my son. And you're going to come back to life and you're going to be privileged to walk in everything because I will not be undone. My grace abounds in Trump's sin. I rise above death. I never change. That's our God. And we've turned it into a church service. We've turned it into religion. We've turned it into selfish gain. No, it's the transformation of life. It's the resurrection of truth again on the earth in our hearts. Forgive me, but I missed a day of school and I'm making up for it. (laughs) I knew this was happening because when I turned to 1 John, I could feel it in my heart. I went, oh God, we're in trouble. I got so excited inside. By the grace of God, I believe I've seen this thing for a, for a while now, and it has saved my life. It is so fun living with yourself, knowing you don't have ill intention, knowing when you go to bed, you're not angry, frustrated, disappointed, and wrong motives, knowing that you're in agreement with him. It's what makes me so crazy like this. We're created to be passionate and full of life. We're created to have joy and encouragement and incentive. We're created to be alive. You get it? We're created to not take account of a suffered wrong. We're created to walk in a love that never fails. If God did not change his mind towards us, why do we live so fickle? Ah, I'm sorry. Get the whole front rows balling. You guys are funny. <laughs> Just a mess. <laughs> I feel a mess. I don't even know how I'm talking. If I was in my bedroom right now, I'd be like. <laughs> the only reason I'm talking is because I have to. Because <laughs> I'm so undone inside. You have no idea how melted I am inside at the love of God the love of God he did not teach us the way we grew up so who did so why when we see that would we want any hint of what was if this is what is so you die You put away the old so you can step into the new. There is no integration and mix of the two. You got it? I am not a Christian. Settle this in your heart today that you are not a Christian for any other reason than to be brought back to who he is inside. Jesus said, if you clean the inside of the cup, 
That means, that means Kara's heart, her motives, the inside. You clean the inside of the cup, the outside's a given. You shall be clean. Oh, isn't that good? You're going to get the Student of the Year Award. She sits on the front row, got her little book. Look at this. Student of the Year. <laughs> oh, I love you. You know the story about her? You want to hear it? I can't. I'm going to cry. Her mommy can't have babies, and she's at an intercessory prayer time, and we're praying for the city, and I happen to be leading the prayer time. And Mary's on her knees in the middle of the aisle. I can see right where she was kneeling still. How old are you? Fourteen. She always says, you're like God in my life in the sense that you saw me before I was seen. Because I looked over at Mary and the Lord said, she's not praying for the city. She's praying for a miracle. She needs a child in her mother heart. Went over there and said, tapped her, said, hey, you're not praying with us. What do you mean? <laughs> she starts bawling. I said, well, look, God showed me this. Let's pray. He'll open your womb. What was it? Six weeks? Valentine's Day. Six weeks later, they said, Mary, you're pregnant, and that's impossible. And here's the product of what I saw in intercessory prayer and what Mary was crying for. And look how good God answers prayer. Way beyond what we could have asked for. Come on, girl. See, it's fun to be in on that kind of stuff. Living epistle stuff. Ah! Yeah, see what's wrong with me? This thing isn't a doctrine. It's not a philosophy. It's not just a theory. <laughs> yeah, it's life in him. So all of a sudden you perceive and you see and love and love and love and love. The manifestation of the working of love. The fruit of love. <laughs> you get it? 14 years ago and he's still the same he wants to do that again and again and again through us can you make a little sense of can you make a little sense of why the tree was there in the first place for us I think a lot of people that's, are a, that's a good that. question I'm not going to stay there long I'm going to share a real general phrase okay I'm just going to share a general phrase, but it'll be helpful. Don't anybody stumble over creation stuff. Why the tree in the first place? Well, if God knew they were going to eat the tree, then why did he put it there? He just set them up to fall. No. He shows us who he is and gives us the privilege of life through him. He wants relationship. He did not make us to be commando Christians, robots. He wants relationship. And the goodness of God leads men to... Repentance. Now, I heard the reason I'm asking in general, I've heard a whole lot of teaching on that topic, and I'm not trying to impose on anything. I'm not trying to say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're not right. There, there's a whole lot of things out there. We're thinking a little too deep on some of that stuff because we tend to value our opinions so much. We're, the analytical side of human life scares me. I don't need to go there. I don't need to know who created God. <laughs> 
Well, how could God just be? Who, that's what makes him God. Some of those things, you just leave them alone and say, you're amazing. I can't wrap my mind around you. Good, you are God. Because if I can wrap my mind around it, it's not God. Okay, so here's what I'm going to answer you real clear. Relationship, okay? Every day, every day, you have the privilege of doing justice to your own heart, your own conscience, and enter into him because of his goodness, not because of his command. True? Isn't it his goodness that accepts you, forgives you, receives you? Or you can let the devil reduce this to legalism and compulsion and commandment and never grow close to the love of God. Instead of live through him, you'll try to serve him and live for him. It's not relationship. What leads men to repentance and to change? Goodness of God. So God makes fully known who he is and doesn't reserve or restrict that in any way and wants us to enter in and respond. Do we love him first because we just chose to love him? Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Okay? So this whole thing, now I, I look at that and I look at the tree and you know what I think? And I've preached this many times. That tree is still in the garden of my life right now as I'm preaching. It's that choice every day. It's that choice every day. That voice that Eve heard, it's whispering every day. Every day. And guess what our response is? We follow him. <laughs> get it every day you're challenged with things of the flesh every day you're challenged with things you were trained in in your emotions and your feelings every day you're faced with the opportunity to live from your heart toward God or to live from your flesh toward earth every day you're faced with that it says that the spirit and the flesh every day why it says at the end of that chapter in Galatians 5 so that you don't do the things that you wish. That, that means so that you're not your own source, your own resource, your own God or God unto yourself. I actually see this thing and I am privileged by it because it's where the integrity of the gospel is restored. The honor of the gospel. Oh yeah, I have a free will. Man, I could stop and buy a six pack on the way home and, and buy a porn flick and I could this and that, but I can't. I could, but I can't. Oh! <laughs> you get it? I could. Who knows that if I choose to do that, I could. Who knows that probably there's not going to be a fiery angel standing at the, uh, what are you doing? See, some of us would rather that angel appear and keep us. No, God would rather it get out of your heart. See, because the angel could appear and restrain you from doing it, but it's still in your heart. You still want to, and you would if you could. And there's no relationship in that. I don't need a fiery angel standing at the beer counter. I don't need a fiery angel in front of the door at excitement video to keep me from walking in. I don't need you to call me every morning to make sure I'm walking straight. (sighs) Come on, I'm on this thing. I'm not backing off either. (laughs) Why? Because he wants us to live out of our heart. 
He doesn't want to refrain you and restrain you. That's not God's thing. Just to limit you and keep you from doing what you shouldn't. He wants it out of your heart. He wants the want to, the desire, by, by seeing the beauty of who he is and his created value in you and his purpose in even giving you life. It's a yielding thing. That's why he uses the illustration potter and clay. Come on. Come on. We are some pretty heady clay. I never saw a bull on the wheel. Why are you turning me this way? You know, if you'd speed it up a little, well, you take your hand in there. Well, I don't know why you made me this way. Well, I could look a lot better if you just did this. Well, you just spun the wheel a little slower, maybe. Come on, I never saw clay shouting back at no potter. And the only thing you see clay do, here's the deal about the potter and the clay. This is why he uses the analogy. It's exactly why he uses the analogy. Because he's the one with the skill. He's the master potter. He's the, ma- he's the one with the mastery. He's the one with the skill. He's the one with the total gifting. And he's called you to simply yield to the beauty and fullness of who he is. And that's all the clay can do in a potter's hand, isn't it? All the clay can do is what? Yield. And just bend and go with the precious pressure, wisdom, and mastery of the Father's hand. And you become the masterpiece of God when you're good, moist clay. Now you get clay that's a little brittle. You get clay that doesn't want to bend and go. And he's got to keep wetting it down. He's got to wrap it up and sit it on a shelf. You look into pottery. If that clay isn't right, He can't make what he sees. And all of a sudden, he's got to wet it down more. He's got to wrap it all up. He's got sitting on a shelf sometime till it's getting in a place where it can finally what? Become what he already sees. Oh, the vision's not the problem. The vision's there. The desire to make the masterpiece isn't the issue. Today's the day. The question is, is the clay... Is the clay yielding? Is the clay moldable and shapeable? Is the clay pliable? Come on, this thing is so simple. (laughs) If you feel like you have an ounce of willfulness in your life, it's not the end of the day and the end of the road. That's where you find yourself. Father, who am I to even... It feels like there's some, some things trying to grab and pull. Absolutely not. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. Great potter, mold me. Great potter, shape me. Make me everything you've designed me to do. I don't reserve a right for anything less than your image or anything more. I'm yours. And I don't care. I'm playing that CD over and over in my truck, that Jesus culture. See, over and over and over. I said to Josh, we're teasing because we're hanging out a lot together in Elise. I said, you know, isn't it amazing to play this every day? And it feels like the first time I heard it. I've been preaching the same gospel for 16 years. And it's alive. But that one song, Kim Walker's on there. I am yours. I am yours. Over and over. I'm yours. I'm yours. The strength of my life is I am yours. And I'm like, oh. Sometimes you got to put something like that on repeat and just get brainwashed. I mean, it just get washed. Just lay on your bed. Turn off all your technology, your little gadgets. Make sure your pocket ain't buzzing and vibrating right in the middle of a revelation. Just shut everything. Sometimes you need to shut everything off and just lay down and just get quiet enough to become his. It's true. 
Or you can talk Christian. You can have Christian playing in the background, Christian t-shirt on your chest, cheer Christian bumper sticker, Christian ringtone, Christian screensaver, and never made contact with God. But you sure look Christian. Being in the right place isn't what makes you right. It's giving yourself to him. I'm just talking, all right? I'm just being play. Is it all right, y'all? Got you at my mercy. You're all facing me. <laughs> but I'm a merciful guy. I'll tell you the truth. Sure won't sugarcoat it. That wouldn't be loving, would it? Be the clay. What do you say? Lift your hands right now and just begin to yield to him. Whatever he's speaking to your heart today, whatever's going on right now up until this point in your heart, convictions, uh, encouragements, whatever, just begin to right now, lift your hands, just talk to him. You get personal right now. Father, I'm yours. My life's in your hands. Yield me. Make me the masterpiece you created me to be. And, 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 and I'm not against this kind of prayer. I don't pray it a whole lot. But for some reason, it feels right in my heart to say this. I don't pray it a lot. But Holy Spirit, even if there's anything in me keeping me, then show it to me because that thing's as good as dead. I don't want anything restraining my life. Now, see, you've got to be serious when you pray that prayer. And now you give him your life right now. You just tell him, I know that I have the potential of your image, and it is my desire to manifest you. It is my desire to be in agreement with you. And what Adam was before the tree, what Adam was before the tree, I've got my eyes fixed on that. That's the prize. That's the secret place. It's the accomplished work of Christ walking walking with a free heart, walking in communion with you with an unveiled face, unashamed, father and son, through the cool of the day, walking through life together, forever one. I'm yours. I'm absolutely yours. I'm yours. I reserve no rights. I'm yours. Is it good? Just do that. You live that way. Man, you'd be driving down your, in your car down the road and you just enter into a place like that now. You got to be in faith if you're going to lift your hands and close your eyes driving, but. And I've done it a little bit now and then. <laughs> you got to be in faith. Yeah, just, just some of you are just closing up, wrapping up that. I just wanted to give you a chance to enter in and get in an expression of. Okay. Man. You guys all right? You're not tired listening to me, are you? Because <laughs> I'm pretty amashed. I thought maybe it was hard listening. <laughs> Wear you out. Man, I'm tired. Just <laughs> see, because I'm like, my emotions, I am like, isn't it funny? I don't live by feelings. Honestly, I don't. But feelings in my life are undescribable. I'm like an emotional roller coaster. I can be laughing one second and all of a sudden I could cry. I could be so like, Durr! next thing you know, I just feel gentle. It just, it's, it's, and it's all channeled in truth. It's all through the Holy Spirit. And I'm not afraid of that. I don't live by feelings. I live by truth. And in that, I have the most amazing emotional ride. <laughs> it's, it's like I just get back in line, you know. I just get back in line. Yo, you're going through again. Yeah, what? <laughs> I just get back in line <laughs> for the rest of my life. 
Did you ever do that? Go to an amusement park and the, the favorite ride, you just back in line. We just go to Hershey Park when I was a kid. And we'd wait till it was just about closed and we'd, we'd leave when it closed. But towards the end, you could go to that old wooden comet, man. It was as old as could be, but it was the best back in its day, right? It's still probably okay. I guess make so much stuff now that's crazy. But we used to get in line over and over and over. And we'd weigh our day at Hershey by how many times we get on that thing. And we knew what was coming. We knew what to expect, and that's what made it fun. That's how our life is in Christ. We know what's coming. Sometimes we know what to expect, and that's why we're in position. (laughs) You get it? So it's not old and stale and dry and give me a new word, brother. No, I've got a word for the rest of my life. You get it? I feel happy. And wonder if I didn't feel happy. Still Lord, isn't he? Still loves me, doesn't he? And there's still a place to see and be, isn't it? Oh. Okay. That, 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 that look, we only, this is a scary day because we only made it to verse 3 of 1 John and we just preached. <laughs> it, it just might keep getting better. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you, please get personal with this, that you also may have fellowship with us. Now look at the adjective he uses here. And I guess that is, he's in English. It's truly and truly, it describes our fellowship. It's truly, sincerely, surely. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So what's John calling you into and inviting you into right now? The very same thing he enjoys. Unrestricted and unlimited. True? Who sees that? He talks about God being a God of light. I'm not going into all that. I want you to jump down to verse chapter 2. I, I just, it's, it's too hard for me. I can't read all that. I'll preach all that again. We have that. That's probably session 6 or something of the, I don't know. It's, it's in the school. But there's a lot of stuff I've repeated so far in this school, but I want to make it somewhere here. He's, this rest of this chapter is he's talking about God being light and no darkness. He's in you, so we're going to walk in him and live in him. If we get born again, we have new life. We have fellowship with one another. We're walking in the light. Uh, we're confessing sin. Even along the way, if we stumble, verse 9. Verse 9 is not just a catch net verse because God knows you're going to sin all the time. That's how it's taught. No, verse 9 is how you get right with God. You face the fact that you have need of a Savior, that you've fallen short of the glory of God. You confess to God that you've sinned and missed the mark. You accept His blood and His sacrifice. You get born again and you have fellowship with one another and begin to walk in the light as He's in the light. Okay, that's what this is saying. And then it says, if you say you have not sinned, after saying if you say you have no sin, he clarifies it, if you say you have not sinned. All he's saying there is if you say you have no need of salvation or no need for the blood. That's what he's saying. He proves that in the next verse because he said, I write these things so you may not sin. So he's not writing telling you you're always going to sin and if you say you're not, you're in denial. And then turning around saying, look, I'm writing this so you don't sin, but you always are gonna. That's, that's weird. No, he's not. He's actually calling you into righteousness and into the change of heart and life. He's saying, come out of the darkness into the light and walk in the light and have fellowship with one another. And his blood cleanses us of all sin. 
He's talking about the born again experience and entering into sanctification. Okay? That means a separation unto holiness, into God, with purpose. Now watch this. And, 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 and uh, I'd encourage you in the word sanctified, when you think of sanctified, don't just see it as set apart or called apart. I would always encourage you to attach on the back of that with purpose. You're not just set apart. Why would he just set you apart? That's waiting to go to heaven someday. That's just being a wheat and not tear. That's just being a fish that's a keeper and not a throwback. It's more than you just waiting for that day. So sanctified always carries the tone of with purpose in it. Does this make sense? Don't you see yourself as called out of darkness? Why? So you can walk in the light. Not just enjoy it, so you can walk in it, so you can live. There's always purpose attached to sanctification. Does that make sense? I don't know why I needed, it felt like I needed to amplify that. Okay, so he writes this so we don't sin, but if you do, not when you do, if you do, <laughs> in that song. But if you sin, it's not the end of the world, don't drag your lip in the dirt for three days and lose your identity. Why? Because you care and you didn't want to sin and you went, oops. You see what I mean? How many of you messed up and went, oops? I mean, seriously went, oops, man. See, that's the best thing you can do. Sharon and I had a great talk on that one. And she said, so I shouldn't say, <laughs> didn't we have a good talk on that? And she cried. <laughs> it was so good. I said, no, don't say that. Because we're like, well, there I go again. There's a demeaning in that. It's like a downscaling. You're like, there I go again. Prone to miss at me. Next thing you'll start thinking, it's a wonder you even consider. It's a wonder you even put up with me, Lord. Watch. If, if I'd, I'm not going to ask you to, don't raise your hands, but if I'd ask how many sincere Christians in this room that have purpose to grow in God have actually said, it's a wonder you put up with me, Lord, you'd be amazed how many hands would go shooting up if you were honest. And God never tolerates you. He loves you. He's not sitting there putting up with you. He's longing for you to see and understand and become. He's not keeping a checklist there. Jesse goes again. He blow it again. When is that boy going to get it right? <laughs> He's not looking to Jesus. I don't even know why we have hope in him. I mean, we should have probably said once and for all except for Jesse. <laughs> Come on. I'm being a little cynical and a little silly with it. But there's a point there because some people start to exclude themselves by demeaning themselves. And then they start putting God in a position of how they feel about themselves. And God doesn't feel that way. <coughs> And all of a sudden, we reflect our own lost identity on the way God must see us. And we project it on Him towards us. That's a lie. Y'all good? We're going to take a break here. We really are. I need one. No, I really don't. I so don't need one. I'm like, sometimes a break for me is a challenge. <laughs> and He Himself is the mercy for our sins. And not ours only, but also the whole world. Oh. We shared all that. It's on another session. But that's why the sick that doesn't believe, that's why the sinner can be healed because there's mercy towards his life through the blood. The blood is speaking on behalf of the whole world. God has made provision for the whole world to come through the door of mercy. And you're the minister of that mercy. Come on, don't you get trapped and get self-righteous and legalistic and religious in the ministering of the gospel and think that everybody has to jump through a hoop to receive from God. No, you give them God because you've received love. You walk in love. You understand mercy, so give mercy. You've been forgiven, so forgive. You haven't been judged, so don't you judge. Give love like he gave love. 
Come on. It's the truth. Because it's not just for us, is it? For the whole world. Sometimes we forget the grace that saved us. Or maybe we haven't really truly walked in the enjoyment of salvation by grace. Maybe we're just in this thing because we know we should be. We'll throw that off <laughs> and put on the new. You look better in the new. <laughs> Amen? Now watch this. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Man, that sounds challenging. We're like, oh my God, I don't know God. I'm not keeping his commandments. He's talking about the expression of love. There's a place in the Bible that he says, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. In 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, because everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He who loveth not doesn't know God. He's talking about an intimate revelation and knowledge of him. He's talking about relationship. Come on, you grew up singing that song, some of you. Who, who grew up singing 1 John 4, 7 and 8 in Sunday school? You did, didn't you, Randy? Should we sing it, Randy? No, we'd rather not. Look at you. <laughs> He's like, go ahead. You sure you don't want to sing it? You know the song, but it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Why do we love one another? Because it's God. And everyone that loveth is what? Born of God and knows God. It's the revelation of the, or the expression of the revelation of knowing God. So the barometer of knowing God scripturally is your love. Now see, we know a lot about God. We've been taught, that some of us have read so many books, listened to countless tapes and CDs, and we have been on this search to build knowledge of God. And God says, but the intimate revelation of relationship and knowledge of God is revealed by your love. It's what you have this way, the marker of that is your love. Now that's not condemnation, that's pointing us in a direction apart from works and religion and strain and strife. It's actually telling me, watch what it's telling me. This is what it's telling me when I read that. I have the privilege of being possessed by his heart. He's gonna give me all that he is. He's gonna make me like him if I want to be. Isn't that what it's saying? Rather than, oh my God, if I don't spruce up and start loving, man, it'll kind of be out of the bag and people will know I don't really know God because I don't have a lot of love. And then we bite our lip and try to love <laughs> to prove we do know him or something. And then we get backwards, right? Come on, that's so twisted. Here he says, by this we know that we know him when we keep his commandments. Come on, that's simple to me. I'm in relationship with God. I don't have a list today that I'm trying to fulfill and achieve. I'm just walking in Him. I'm fulfilling His commandments. You know, in the letter of the law, there's a condemnation. In the heart of the law, it's revealed the nature, character, integrity of God. It says the law is holy. We say, well, you're not under that law, brother. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. He walked in the fulfillment of the law. He didn't come to erase it. And it says that people aren't to erase and preach contrary. No, the law is still a revealed standard of the name. I'm walking. I don't live by the law, but I'm walking in the heart of the law. If I look at those Ten Commandments right now and read them, the actual ten that are specific Ten Commandments and read them, I'm finding out, you know what? I'm free in those areas. Why? Because of the law of love. You can hang the law and the prophets on love. If you walk in love, you fulfilled the law. 
It does no harm to a neighbor. You get it? You guys get this? We're going to pick up. We're going to talk about becoming love a little more today. We're just going to follow this down through here a little bit and just get on some more stuff. But why don't you guys stretch, go to the potty, hug somebody, do whatever you need to do. Bless you. I still kind of think that way. I, I, still, I said I used to think the snacks were better than my preaching because we couldn't ever round anybody up from break. But I still kind of believe, was believing that because Sue just mandated us back. She took authority, didn't she? She said, she's so sweet. She can see she's not in the room, is she? She came to me and she said, was that okay? I mean, it's just important. I just need... She's so loving. Remember when she stood up here and that was hard for her because she didn't want anybody to hear her like she's trying to be a drill sergeant. And uh, she came to me and she's so sweet. She's the best. So Good. Because see, sometimes in love, even in love, there is a setting in order, right? There's still a, a ministry of truth, right? Love doesn't mean you overlook everything and just mush everything and live in some fantasy. Love is actually very strong, has a very strong side to it. It's, it's, love's amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it a lot, this whole love thing. That's kind of where we're heading. We're just barely scratching the surface, but we're getting there. Did I see a hand? Did somebody just raise a hand? No? Everybody good? Did anybody have a question that I didn't get to? Because I was pretty passionate. And I was, Anthony, you had your hand up a while back. Yeah. But is, is that still relevant? Or? Um, it had to do with uh, what we were talking about, what she was saying about leading and following. Oh, okay. Was it a comment? Yeah. Okay. We, well, I don't have, we don't have the mic now. But is it, does it, does it, does it, do you feel like it should be spoke now? Do you feel like it was something that? She's getting the mic. I'll let you do it. I'll I'll give you guys freedom. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you might be able to relate to this for yourselves, and others it might challenge you to go there. Um, Over the years, I would, like when Stan was talking about hearing the Spirit, and you'd get prompted by certain things, and other things that just kind of raid in our way. I'd be going down the road, and all of a sudden I'd hear a certain specific thing, and I knew what Holy Spirit was saying to me. To do, and I would go to wherever it was he told me to go, and I would pick up stuff, and then he would tell me who to give it to. It was just acts of love, just being obedient by following the leading of right. the Spirit. <clears throat> and those are definitely, you know, I've walked and ran in that with the Holy Spirit for a good, good while. It still happens, but it's different now than it was. Things have shifted and changed, and they still come up. But then there was a there was a place when I was working one day, Dan, that. <laughs> The Holy Spirit just came in the place, and it got to the point where I had to stop working. I couldn't do anything. I was just kind of a mess. And the Holy uh, Lord started speaking to me about, he said, everyday realities. He says, I speak to my kids every day. I'm trying to get them to do specific things. And a lot of them pass it off. Oh, that's a good thought. Mm-hmm. But that's it. They don't grab a hold of it right. and like go with it. Good suggestion, yeah. And some of the things he gave me as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ideas of what it would be. Maybe maybe um, Joe's driving down the road going home and there's a, a guy's yard that hasn't been mowed in a couple weeks, an older man or something, and he hears, why don't you mow Joe's yard? And he just keeps on going. And this happens for, and Joe says, oh man, he's got a son, he'll come mow it. Right. The Lord said, he just missed me. He just right. blew me off. And uh, another one was a gal in a kitchen 
she's baking something. Maybe she's baking cookies or making soup. And she gets a thought of make another dozen or make a bigger pot of soup. And right. The thought is, well, I don't really need that many cookies. Yeah. I don't need that much soup. Yeah, that's a good teaching. That's a leading. That's God speaking, giving you, just showing his heart towards people and giving you the opportunity or privilege, the blessing to enter in and be the answer to that heart. So that's excellent. The pr- prophetically, I've been in a mall walking already and the Holy Spirit will lock me into someone coming and I'll get an impression or already get the word for them. Slide over. Hey, man, I just saw you when I saw you. This rose in my heart. Bam. And and, and I could tell you some cool stories about that. Uh, In Power and Love, Bob Hazlett teaches that... uh, you know, if you want to step out in the prophetic, go ahead and take faith risk and, and just have your heart in a good, pure place and walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, you're the kind of person that, and just believe God's going to give you the rest. <laughs> and and the, the stuff that happens is off the charts. And the people are like, my God, that's crazy. How do you know that? How, that's exactly how I am. But he, he just teaches that you go up to somebody and say, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the, you know I believe you're the kind of person that and then God will just fill the blank. So that's spontaneous. And that's just because he believes what you're saying, that God is trying to speak to us all the time, that God has something to say. But you've got to put yourself in that position. Because if you just go out and try to prophesy, you could really get in trouble. But if you care about somebody, you walk up and say that. So that's another good way. So that's, there's two sides to that. Sometimes the Spirit of God's locking you in, leading you, boom. And there's other times you just have that privilege to enter in and believe that God's going to love them. Somebody encourage them. Amen? Go ahead. And I noticed now in the last, I don't know, year or so, when I, you know, we're busy. We're going shopping. We're doing things. And it's like what he, how he works with me is a lot of times the anointing will just start coming on me really strong. And then it's like, okay, I need to stop for a moment. What are you trying to do here? Is there somebody? And I look around in my vicinity to see if there's some specific person or get a leading. So and now it's with having Jenny as my wife. And I say something to her, and she'll, she'll might get the other part. It's like, well, it's right. this person yeah, and that person. That's exactly really that too. Yeah, that's an awesome thought. That's excellent. And uh, now watch this. In light of what Anthony's saying, which is crystal clear, who sees why I emphasize the heart of love so much? Because if you're pursuing this thing called love and you're in a faith place with God and you're, you, you're going to hear those things are going to come out of, they're going to birth out of and, and be heard in love and responded by love. So if, if, uh, if, you're, walking, if you're walking in just, just trying to live spiritual, do you understand what I mean by that? You're just trying to live spiritual rather than pursuing love in the heart of love. You could get in more of a war with your own mind. Is that God? Is that me? When, you, when you're walking in love, there's, you, you learn to, it's the heart of God. So, so the heart of, when I, I so relate to what he's saying. When I first got saved, I used to work in a warehouse and, and you didn't, you, you worked there and it was like, it was your job and you were there to do a certain job, but you weren't, you, you, you know, you'd drop, you'd cut plastic, it would fall on the floor, you figure, oh, well, they got a cleanup guy, whatever. You know, you'd drop something, it would break and you'd keep on driving thinking the maintenance man will get it, whatever. And when I got saved, I constantly heard what he was saying. He, the Lord would say, I'd be riding down on my equipment working. The Lord would say, pick that up. Man, pick that up. Man, you can just grab that. Just grab that. So I started putting the box, and I started cleaning up as I was going. 
Well, then I caught all kinds of stuff from employees. Well, you know, you're going to make it bad for the rest of us and da-da-da. And what they were saying is, we don't want to live that way. Knock it off. That's really what they were saying. <laughs> they don't realize what they were saying, but that's what they were saying. And I was like, look, I'm just doing this. It's not a mandate for you. I just feel like I want to. It's helping out. And man, thank God for these jobs we have. And da-da-da. Oh, I'll listen to you. And then people would mock and persecute. I went through tons of persecution. Uh, but the Lord started doing that stuff to me. There was a time, there was a time I was driving down the road. I tell this story sometimes. It stirred in me when you were talking. I, I drove under. It's right by my house. There's a couple bridges there on Greenwood Road, and they throw things. They must throw things off of thirty, and I don't know. It was just trashed, and I noticed it. Did you ever drive and just notice something? That's the stuff he's talking about. When you notice it, that could be a God awareness. I drove through and I thought, man, it just looks so messy under here. This is really messy. This is really trashed. I drove by a few times, probably a week went by, and it was a Sunday afternoon. You know, you, 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 you got church and you go home and you, you know, and you're, it's a Sunday and then, you know, you get in the whole Sabbath argument. Well, that isn't really the Sabbath, but, but you know, it's that Holy Ghost, maybe nap time or whatever. It's Sunday. It's, you're just going to chill. You're going to rest. I'm coming up the road and I looked over at that garbage. I passed under the bridge and the Lord said to me, and it took a week, the Lord said, you've been aware of that road for a whole week. It's not about being aware of it. Just do something about it. You've been aware of it Every day you've driven by there for a whole week. I want you to do something about it. And I thought in my mind, you want me to clean up all that garbage? <laughs> now, that, now see, when you teach this, you've got to be careful when you teach this because then people try to do this to gain what the Lord taught me. Yeah. And it shifts it. Yeah. Everything has to come out of love. So I go and I looked at that garbage and I thought, this is a lot of hefty bags. I didn't call nobody to help me. I just took and I just boom. This was an amazing experience in my life. This is one of those markers. I'm out there and I'm like, Lord, this is amazing. Uh, this is you. This is your heart. You know, you see, you know, you're a pastor, Dan. You got a lot of things. You don't need to be out there cleaning the road, brother. Let us get it. You know, people could think that way. No, I didn't do it as a pastor. I did it as Dan. I did it in God. And I cleaned up that whole road. And I had a pickup truck and it was good because I had a lot of stuff in the back. And we actually had a dumpster over at church. So I took it right to church and threw it in the dumpster and went home. But I'm telling you guys, I got the last bag. And I was tying it. And the Lord asked me if I knew what I was even doing today. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm picking up trash because it's been on my heart for five days. And I figured you were just making me aware and it bothered me and it meant something to me. And you said, well, then do something about it. So I'm cleaning up trash. He said, oh, it's a whole lot more than that, Dan. He said, the natural comes before the spiritual. You're obeying my spirit. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He said, you're cleaning up the trash in the natural and taking the time that you could justify never giving yourself to. And he said, there's going to be an increase coming in your life to clean up the trash in the spiritual and help to see the things I care about in the spiritual cleaned up and ready just like you did along the road. You're going to see men's lives cleaned up. Just like you saw. And it, and it sounds like a works thing. Like, okay, let's go clean all the trash in the city so we walk in greater anointing. No. 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 It was, I, it, it, I took interest in it. I noticed it. It's that thing Anthony saying, I'm driving, and that was God. 
causing a care, a, a natural concern to come in me about the roadway right up from my house. And that, man, and then every day I couldn't drive by without seeing it. You follow me? Every day. And then I finally, the Lord was like, you know, how long are you going to drive by here and care about it and not change it? Because <laughs> after a while, saying you care gets pretty shallow if you've not done anything about anything. Then the words start getting cheap. Well, I, oh, I, I so care about them. Well, when's the last time you went over to see them? Well, <laughs> but I really care. <laughs> well, I so care. When's the last time you called them? Well, but I care. No, the, the Lord had me do that. But he showed me the natural, the, 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 the spiritual. And you can't believe, you really I can't put it into words, how from that day, and it wasn't a works thing. It was a spiritual principle thing, how there was an increase in some areas in my life ministerially. It was amazing. He's just following that one little impression. So I do believe that's a great example of how God does speak to us more than we might realize. So it's a good point. And uh, yeah, it was really, really good. So that was, uh, that was my experience along the road. And that was something that I just, I had an impression of over and over. Amen? Okay, First John 2, let's jump back in here where we were. This is going to sound like strong language when you hear the word liar. You, you don't... Okay. Oh, God. It's school. Insecurity in your life will give you the need to say things and affirm things that down in your heart you know aren't your reality. Insecurity will give you the capacity to say things like this. No, I know the Lord. It's, see, there's people that, that proclaim spiritual things. You don't need to proclaim spiritual things to find yourself or to get people to affirm you. There's people that get caught into talking about all their manifestations, all their spiritual journeys, all their dreams and visions. And I could, I, I, that doesn't mean people aren't having them. But there's enough sad stories attached to that language and, and people where it's not the reality and they're trying to proclaim spirituality because they don't feel spiritual. This is why the Bible uses this language. You have to understand what I'm saying is coming from Scripture in the sense that he says this. Let's just read it because it sounds harsh, but it's not. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. What it means is there's people that have a need to proclaim something apart from being something. When you're being something, there's no need to proclaim it. Are you catching this? Why do I need to say I know him if I live that way? I don't need you to know that I know him. I need to know him for me so that you realize in some way, shape, or form I know him by the love or the flow of my life. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't need to proclaim something. I need to become something. But if somebody says, I know him without living, I know him. It's like saying, I love you. Just live, I love you. We use I love you as a catch net a lot. <laughs> like, like we don't live love for long periods of time. And then we have the need to reaffirm love with speech. <laughs> Because we don't live I love you, then we try to convince I love you with words. Uh, it just happens all the time. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 
okay? Because <laughs> it just happens all the time. Same principle. By this we know, we know. Talking about clear conscience, talking about security, true identity, healthy esteem. By this we know, no, I know that I know him when I'm walking in the truth of his word. I'm not trying to keep his commandments. I'm in fellowship with him. I'm yielding to righteousness. And I look and find I'm walking in holiness. I'm being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. Whatever term you want to use, I'm walking out God without a list. Do you follow what I'm saying? So when I'm reading the Word, I know people that are afraid to read the Word because they feel like when they read the Word, it, their life's so contradictory and they don't like to read the Word because it shows them what they're not. <laughs> Man, that's the reason to get in the Word and get light in the midst. Get truth in the midst. All the more reason to get in the Word, right? You know, willful ignorance is a serious sin. <laughs> Come on, willful ignorance. Just purposing to not know. Because <laughs> you know there's change necessary, so you don't want to know. <laughs> so you're not pursuing to know because you're really not ready for what this is saying and you really don't want it, so you just willfully ignore it. See, that's actually the conviction of sin in your life. That's actually the expression of willfulness and selfishness then. And what you're saying is, I'm not ready for change. I really don't want to fill my heart with the Word of God because I really don't want to become the Word of God. i got other things right now, maybe later. I have a life to live. That's what people think. Young people get trapped in that. Big time, more so than the older folks. The older folks think, why did I try to live life? I wish I'd have listened then, and then they surrender. <laughs> oh, serious, older folks are like, duh, why was I such a knucklehead? <laughs> what do you, I had a life to live. Yeah, what life? I should have saved the last 20 years in Christ. <laughs> Younger people still have that temptation and pull sometimes to feel like, you know, I got life to live. You know, maybe later. No, you want to be your own best friend and... And yield to him now because it's the greatest thing. When you live in your created value and purpose, there's nothing greater than living in the... It's like a well-oiled machine. There's nothing like something that's running the way it was made to run. You ever see somebody driving an old classic car? They got it all fixed up. They see, oh, this baby is just purring like a kitten, running like a champ. You hear those phrases, right? Somebody that enjoys machinery and they're a mechanic and they get that thing in tip-top shape and it's just, and they're, and they're so happy with it. And it's there and it's, you know, and they're like, oh, this is that baby raw. It's just doing what it's made for, doing just what it's supposed to, right? Because it's performing in its value, in its created purpose, right? Okay. You, you, you see, you got to understand there's purpose behind our lives. Okay? Come on. Without purpose. Okay. What's this? Okay. So, it's a shoe. Hey, it's New Balance. I have New Balance now. <laughs> okay. New Balance. I have a new and living way. So, this is a shoe. So, wow. That's a shoe. So, it has the identity of a shoe. We know what it's for. We know what it was made for, but there it sits, right? It's a shoe. Great. What? Watch. It's not until, it's not until I put it on, it supports my feet, I walk in it, and I can go out in the stones, because if you saw me in the bare feet in the stones, <laughs> <it's> scary. <laughs> 
I don't know why I'm so tender-footed, man. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, I'm like that almost on macadam. <laughs> Watch, until I put it on, it, it, doesn't, it's not a, it's, it doesn't fulfill the purpose of a shoe. Come on. It's a keyboard. Yay. But until it's turned on and played, it's not flowing in what it's here for. It doesn't fulfill its identity. It has purpose. And so does your life. Come on. Who would ever get blessed, ever ministered to, and ever have the expression of it if this just sat here and said Yamaha and people come in and said, wow, they got a nice keyboard. See, purpose isn't fulfilled until it's used and functioning in that which it was created for. So until somebody, well, somebody with skill, <laughs> until I was going to turn it on and touch the keys, it might have played. Oh, please, God, I wish. Oh, God, please. <laughs> do you remember when I was in Iowa with you guys at Global? Do you remember? And I turned it on and started, and I said, I've always wanted to pray, play, and I, I used to, Go in this, and, I, and I said, man, I just so want, and I started touching the keys, and it actually sounded good for a second, and guys in the sound booth, Andre and them said, what's he doing? I didn't know he played, and I got so freaked out, I jumped off the keys, because it actually sounded like I could play for a second, because I can't play at all. There were so many times I'd worship. I read a book on how this lady was in prayer and intercession and her hands started to move in the air and she was, there was no piano and she never played and her hands were doing all this stuff and she went, and she went to a piano and played like she played, like now she plays in a 10,000 congregation church. She was worshiping and God just went. (laughs) And I read that book. So for months I was like, God. Come on. And then, and then I would be in these places where, you know, I'm, and, oh, I just have a relationship with Jesus, so I'm just intimate. I'm, and then all of a sudden I think, yeah, oh, your love is so amazing. You, you had to breathe on me. I'd go and I'd turn on the Glavanova. I said, not today. It was bad. And then I got surrounded with these sweet little intercessors who knew my heart and said, well, maybe God will just teach you. Why don't you take lessons? I said, I'm not taking lessons. I don't feel a grace to take lessons. I... I don't think God's going to teach me. I said, because I would just be in a room somewhere all day. You'd never find me. I'd just worship him. <laughs> and they were like, well, we're going to start praying. Intercessors, man, you get around some of these people. They really do believe what they're praying. And, and, and they, it's a funny little story. You got time for a three-minute little funny little story? These intercessors, we got to really, you know, get to know each other from praying every Thursday. And, and, and I had your son, Michael sit down on the Glavanova and just flow and record it for me for intercessory prayer so I could just play it and we'd have, and be the intercessor and I'd just have it playing because it would record and you could hit the switch and it would play everything he flowed in because he just flowed beautifully. And I used to envy that in a healthy way, like, oh, I wish I could do that, not in a covetous way, but wow, I so appreciate that. Well, the one day I go in there after he did that for me, now nobody knew I had Michael do that for me, so I sit down I was so tempted, but it was too, too serious. I sit down and I flip the recording switch on, so I'm sitting behind the Glavanova sitting, because it was about ready for intercession, and I thought, man, I hope I remember how to work this, because that was so sweet, and I want to play this during prayer. And I hit the thing, and it started playing. I thought, oh, great. And I looked up, and the girls are walking in. <laughs> the timing was ridiculous. I'm sitting behind the piano, 
And they're walking in and they hear it playing beautifully. And they, they looked and, and they just started crying. They went, oh, Jesus. And they're laying their stuff. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm sitting there and I thought, boy, I could stretch this one out. But it would be way too, that would be wicked. <laughs> I mean, these sincere girls, they, they're intercept, they're believing God. They're not thinking, that boy ain't never going to play no piano. I heard him try. <laughs> no, they walked in and went, oh, he did it. Jesus, thank you. And they started crying for me right away. And I went, I guess, raised my hands up. And, and they went, they were like, what? I said, oh, I didn't want to play you. I didn't want, oh, that would have been easy. If I'd have sat there and I, Because <laughs> oh. honestly, I respect people that are willing to, but that doesn't make them gullible. They're believing God can do anything. And honestly, I got shook. And, but so when I touched those keys, because I, don't, I, don't, I had started to believe I couldn't play ever. But I touched it there in that conference, and I actually sounded like I could play. So I, I've never touched keys since then. But my point is this. Until you play it, it's really not a keyboard. Until I put the shoe on, it's really not a shoe. What purpose does it serve? What's it matter that it was created? You follow me? Purpose is huge, guys. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Don't have a need to bear witness of something before your life bearing witness of it. That's, that's all this is saying. Don't, insecurity will do that. People, that's how people try to affirm themselves through things. I had a lady call me once and I could hear a fence in her and then she backbit a little and then she gossiped a little and, and, and it was all in a breath and I don't let that go on too long. Because once it happens, it's, it's already there, and I don't need it to keep happening, so I just cut her off and interrupted her. I said, honey, slow down. You're obviously hurting. Well, I'm not really hurt. Whoa, 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 slow down. Huh? I tried talking to her. And I cautioned her in her language because of her heart. Don't try to hide your heart behind your language. Because out of your heart, your mouth's already spoken. And you're hurting. And we can help. We, oh, don't you turn the table on me. I'm not the one that's hurting. I'm not the one that's lacking spirituality. She this and that and this and that and da-da-da. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I, I stopped. And I said, honey, you're doing it. Listen, don't you understand? She said, oh, don't put that on me. You don't know what's been happening to me. I've been having so much spiritual experiences. I've been in the throne room every day. I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus. Every day he takes me into his heavenlies. And I sit there in his throne room. And she's just talking like that, angry while she's talking. And I'm like, honey. And then, you know, people are really getting offended because it feels like you're judging them. No, they're judging themselves. Come on, you're not sitting at Jesus having a, minute, a spiritual manifestation of the holies in the heaven. Come on, you're going to come out of there, your face is glowing. We need very careful how we handle all these testimonies and share these intimate things because if it's not the transformation of life, we're all actually demean the impact of these expressions. Because the people sharing them, you're going to look at their life and say, well, I wonder what the big deal is. If they're having that every day, you'd think there'd be something different. That's just how man will calculate it. 
But we have a need to bear witness and affirm these stories rather than just live the life to where people say, man, look at you. the way you're living, the way God's moved to you. You'd almost think you're sitting at his feet every day and you're in your heart going, <laughs> rather than I'm sitting at his feet and then not manifesting that. Are you following me? Come on, you gotta understand Love has a strength to it. Love cares about people. Love's not mushy. I was in a service. Joe March was with me. And we had to go pick up Todd at a certain time and drive seven hours and a half home. And we were in another church. So at the end of the service, I told the pastor, listen, I'm really sorry. I'm a people person. We love to pray and hang out and talk, but it's a little different today because of our schedule. And we got to go get our buddy and we got a seven and a half hour drive home. I'm really going to need you to protect me and getting out of here. I need to just make a break. And I, I, it's rare I do that. Actually, today after class, I need to do that. I got to make a break. As soon as class is over, I'm destiny. Where's she at? Is she anywhere? She's sleeping. Are you sleeping? No, okay, she's not. Do you have a ride, honey? Yeah. Okay. Because I told her, if you don't have a ride, you're going to hang my shirt tail and be running out of here with me because I'm running out of here. I said, I have, to, I, just have, I have to catch up on some things. So please, if you give me that grace, as soon as class is over, I'm going to look like Elisha passing Ahab and beating the chariot to the city. <laughs> but I'm in this service, and, and the pastor said, listen, guys, uh, Dan... You know, and, and there was good impact. It was all There were people praying. It was just beautiful time. And, and, and he said, Dan really needs to run out of here. I know you guys, you know, uh, appreciated him coming. We so thank you for coming. Actually, the gospel rocked that house that day. The pastor and his wife were like that. People were crying everywhere. It was an awesome time. And it was almost good to just walk out and let the place be rocked. But there's people that they get so touched and affected that they feel like they want to say thank you and at least hug you or, man, look, I know you got to go, but oh my gosh. And they want to express what happened in their heart in some way. And I understand that. So I'm doing all that as I'm walking and, and I get out and this one guy, you know, I, I said something to him and we got talking just a little. I said, look, I really need to go though. I said, man, but I wanted to, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't holding me up or anything. I just kind of said something to him. We hugged. I turned and there's this lady she, she was shadowing to the door. And I was out towards the door ready to make my break and she steps right in front of me. And she said, hi. She said, I, I, I know you need to go, but this is very important from the Lord. And, and, this is, and I'm one of the prophetic ones in the church. And, and I'm like, okay. And I looked at her, and I'm not being strange. I call it starry-eyed. There's things you see. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, God, help me with this because I really need to go. And, and you know love and you know my heart. So you have to cover all this because I will not. I will not pre preconceive a thought about her and leave with a judgment without talking to her. I won't let myself live that way. I will not let her talk, have a belief about her, sit in the car and say to Joe, boy, that lady. Yak, 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 yak. I will not do that. I love Jesus too much to do that. How's that for good conviction in the room? You all right? I won't do that if I haven't talked to that lady. 
Now, if I've talked to that lady and Joe says what was going on, I'll share it with him. But I will not roll my eyes and nod my head and say, boy, that woman, she this and that and this, and I hadn't had the love to even talk to her about my concerns for her sake. I'm just another passerby through town that's located her weaknesses, and I'm on my way aware of her weaknesses without helping her. That wouldn't be love, would it? You got to see how love works. She's standing right in front of me. I already know in my heart that this is a holdup. This is actually a distraction and a holdup in the sense of time frame. But love is bigger than that. It, it doesn't say, well, the devil's trying to hold me up. No, she's not an enemy. I realize she has such great need. There's something going on in her life. She is searching and grabbing for something that she has to pin down the, the guest speaker and be the last voice right at the door when she knows I have to leave. But she has to get this in. There's something twisted here. And I said to her, uh, I said, well, honey, I said, I really do have to go. I said, uh, we have a friend waiting, and it took me a while just to get to the door. So she said, no, no. She said, I need to share this. And she said, while you were ministering, God took me into the heavenlies. And he took me into his crystal river. And I was, and he took me through the waterfall. And he does that because he knows when I was three, how da-da-da-da. And then he took me through, and this was all while you were preaching. And I know you understand this, and there's a message that you're, you're going to receive through all this. And it's all this ministrations and manifestations of the heavenlies, and she's using glory terms and scriptural terms. And in a four-minute time period, she shared every pain of her life and her whole scenario of life and laced it through and tied it through spiritual language. And I'm just kind of looking at her and I'm ready to cry for her. See, I feel it right now in my heart. Because people live this way. And she's hiding behind the language. And she loves that the church believes she's prophetic. Feeds her. Because she feels she's pathetic. So she needs them to think she's prophetic because she feels she's pathetic. You getting this? And if I am concerned about that and love her at all, I ought to address that. So I'm standing there staring at her, and I must have had a look on my face. And she stopped in mid-stride and said, because I'm in my heart thinking, God, how do I intervene, cut her off? How do I love her and not try to do it in a rush way? Because I need your help. And right as I'm doing all this, she stops her story and her thing and says, you don't believe God took me into the heavens, do you? She asked me the question. This is a good question. It, it came, that was God helping me. Because you know what I did? I put my hands on her shoulders real gently and I smiled softly. I said, no, honey, I don't, not at all. I said, it's obvious you're a very hurting lady and you're trying to find yourself. And you'll never find yourself through gifting and through this language. You'll find yourself because God loves you through Jesus Christ, sweetheart. I said, you had to get every pain of your life out in your conversation and let me... Oh, no, but that's because God has healed me. Honey, if God heals you, you're not still talking about it, glorifying it, and lifting it up in the manner you did. You're a very hurting lady trying to find yourself. And you didn't have these visions at all. You're telling me that because you need to feel better and you want me to feel better for you. 
and you don't need a vision. You're already his girl, and you're already this. And I started sharing. I said, I'm going to connect you with leadership. You need to, but they know I'm prophetic. I can't believe you're not hearing God in this. And she's still trying to hold on. I talked to her real plain with tears in my eyes. What was going on? It was very obvious. So then I connected her with leadership because I have to leave. And I told the pastor just what was going on in my concerns. And he's just kind of looking at me because honestly, most of the time leadership's aware of it. And they just don't have the strength to address it because they're afraid to hurt somebody. They're already hurting. Mm -hmm. It's a lie to not touch the hurting afraid you're going to hurt them. The key is that when you touch them, you don't do it because they're a mess. You don't do it because they're twisted. You don't do it because they're out there. You do it because they're full of value and Jesus loves them and it's not the truth about who they are. Are you following me? And you separate the whacked part because that's not them. Just because somebody does something dumb in life doesn't mean they're dumb. What they did was dumb. I'm just using raw terms that we relate to. How'd we grow up? You do a dumb thing and realize it dumb, and then what do you say out of your mouth? Oh, you... You see the lie from childhood? Oh, you dummy. Oh, you are so stupid. You should, oh, you're just never going to get it right. We have talked out loud to ourselves that way. You see the lie? And the whole time the gospel says, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't know what I just did. Well, what you just did, and now you're tying it to who you are. You have to separate that with people. Now watch. That's why I preach what I preach on so much this way. Because until I get this established, I can't really see you clear. If I have issues this way, that's going to muddy my perspective. But if I see me clear this way, I can love you as I love myself. And I can fulfill the great commandment of God and love my neighbor as myself. You see how important this is? To get formed and molded in love. To know the love of God. To understand righteousness. To let him love you and forgive you. And to see yourself... Strictly and completely through him and not let any other thing determine who you are except for him. That way only men then can encourage you, edify you, speak into your life, but nobody can take what only he gives. Now if I see that for me and I can look in the mirror and have a real clear understanding, no matter where your life is, I can still see that about you. Remember how the God illustration earlier when these guys in the front were all crying? He's still God's son. He still has the same value. God still has the same vision. Nothing's changed. Yeah, but he ate the tree. Yeah, and God is greater. (gasps) And where sin abounded, grace abounded more. You get it? So God's intention is that that perspective become what? our perspective because of what this Bible says in this chapter in the next couple chapters there's nobody on the earth (laughs) this is strong you guys alright you ready (laughs) because it's coming there's nobody on the earth that truly has this without having this 
It's completely impossible to truly have this. You're not on an island by yourself with Jesus. People that say they are, it's because they're hurt by humanity. You know, there's a big push. Oh boy, I'm really getting in trouble. There's a big push on the earth with pets and, and, and cats and dogs and treating them like better than people and pets. But the only reason there's that extreme, pets are awesome. You can have all the pets you want as long as it's within keeping care and balance. Some people have more pets than they can feed and they don't have money and they need charity and it's just to feed their pets. You've got to put things in balance. There's a time and place. But what I'm saying is a lot of the affection is rerouted. A lot of times people surround themselves with four dogs because the four dogs will never hurt them and they're so hurt by people that they've turned to dogs. I'm just being real. I'm not saying everybody that has four dogs, that's the case. But I know personally that's the case in a lot of cases because I know. Because of what I do. And there's people that know the dog will never break their trust. The dog's best friend now. The dog, all he does is love and affection. And in my worst moment and in my baddest breakdown, all he does is lick me and sit on my lap and understand. He never corrects me. He just loves me. So they surround themselves because we're all searching for this perfect love. But, but people are supposed to get that from God with the understanding. It's not just about being perfectly loved. It's about becoming perfect love. So all of a sudden you hide behind something that can't hurt you anymore. And the deception is the whole time you're hiding there, it's because you are hurting. Are you following me? And all of a sudden, the affection is amplified. The desire is amplified. It's motivated by the hurt. It's just like the adultery relationship we talked about. You get a little unresolved in your marriage. You get a little brokenheartedness. You get a little this and that. And now somebody starts giving you what you weren't getting. And self-interest, self-desire, divided heart. Now you resent and loathe, draw and attract, and divorce. And you're actually an adultery because it's a self-seeking thing. I need this for me because I'm not getting what I need. Come on, it happens all the time. And it's an evidence of self-interest. It's not the end of the world if you've made that mistake and you come to the reality of that. You repent, you change that. You, God, you learn and you grow. Painful and terrible experience and mistake but an experience nonetheless, learn from it, grow from it, come out of it wiser, sharper, smarter, and never look back again. Because there's mercy, right? But do you see how this stuff, so, so the, all the affection in that adulterous situation, all the desire and all the emotion that's starry-eyed and romantic going this way is fueled by the hurt, failure, and letdown and pain this way. So it's totally needs-driven. It has nothing to do with loving that person. It's what you can get from them because there's deficit. Are you all following me? Am I talking plain? Same thing happens with pets a lot of times. And, and people are hurt by people. They can't trust people. Why? Because they're living for them and people owe them and people are people. And so they surround themselves with what feels safe. Now, don't you interpret that. I'm making it plain with the video running. I'm not saying everybody that has four dogs has hurt towards people. But it, it raises an unrealistic and unnatural and untrue emotion and affection in your life when you're living in hurt. It reroutes because then you're needs driven and it'll reroute it somewhere else. 
and everything has false motivation in your life when you're living in hurt. Are, are you hearing me? Yes. Now watch. If you become love and you become selfless and die to yourself, you can never be rerouted again. You're not vulnerable to life because <laughs> you made yourself vulnerable to him. <laughs> And now you're in the world, not of it, and you can finally be a blessing instead of needing to be blessed. I'm just talking plain. It's the whole goal of the gospel, guys, to get us in this place. Hang on. So don't, don't read into that pet thing, guys, and, and make me say more than I said. Yeah. That seems to sometimes fall in a marriage on children where the one parent starts putting their affections from the one parent to their kids. Oh, there's, 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 uh, yeah, big time. Get a little unresolved, and then it's, uh, it's more than natural. It's an unnatural. It's a derived thing, even towards the children, extra tension, extra compassion. All of a sudden, the child almost becomes the soulmate thing because there's unresolved here, and then it creates a real mess. But it's all a form, watch what it's all a form of, a form of survival. And it all derives from the way that seems right to a man because it's every man for himself, remember? No, it's not. Do you get what we're saying here? So we have to be very careful we don't have these uh, derived, unnatural, compelled motivations in our life through hurt and pain. I went, I was, I told you the story. I was praying to go on the mission field years ago and ready to lay down my life. No matter about the food, it doesn't matter about the location. Take me to a people hungry for you. And the reason that I was so aggressive, passionate praying it is because in my heart there was a subtle discouragement starting to rise up. I started to believe the church in this country and the people I was personally pastoring really didn't love God or want God and, and just wanted his blessings and really weren't hungry for change. And because I got disgruntled by that, I thought, well, let's just go to some people that are sincere. Let's go to some people that just want to lay down their life. And, go, and it sounds noble, but there's hurt in that. So then my whole purpose for going to the mission field is actually my frustration with the church. So now I'm judging and projecting on the church back home, and I'm out doing exploits for God, motivated by the pain. And it's not even that I love this nation as much as, well, they're just a bunch of stiff necks and see, see how God can move. God can move. And every time God moves here, it's projecting back there and sealing the hardness in my heart. And everything that motivated me here was the pain here and the unresolved here. And I've judged here. So, hey, if you guys are a bunch of deadbeats and don't want the gospel, I'll go to somebody that does. I'm not even going to them because I see their value and their need. I'm going there because my heart's crying out because I've judged here and now I need to fill that satisfaction. So now every time I get satisfaction here, it projects back here and judges all the more. Well, see, if you love God like they love God, he'd move in your midst like he's moving here and he'd do like... The next thing you know, I'd be a minister and never even want to go to America and preach in America because it's a bunch of religious deadbeats. Y'all follow me? I had, a, I had another hand, Martha, somewhere, and I don't know where it was. Whose hand? You had your hand up a little while ago. Are you? Are you sure? Okay. Oh, oh, 
Yeah, didn't you ever hear that story? I thought I've shared that story with you guys. I was at my bed praying, mission field. God, I'll lay down my life for the hungry. I'll just go anywhere you want. Put it in the heart of my wife and kids and let grace come over them. And we'll go as a family and we'll just win a nation for you, God. And you would have been listening in on a fly on my wall thinking, what a holy man. What a surrendered man. You'd have been impressed with that prayer. And God's sitting there going, oh boy, give me a little Holy Ghost noogie, you know. He's, so, so, so I'm praying like this. And I'm sitting, and he says, the Lord says this. He says, so Dan, you'll lay your life down for the hungry. And when the way he said it, I knew he was adjusting me. I was like, oh. And I remember going, yeah. (laughs) Because I was caught up in the prayer, you know. So Dan, you'll lay your life down for the hungry. Yeah. He said, Dan, my son laid his life down for those who despised and rejected him. You put your heart in the position of my son and we'll talk about this stuff. What he was saying is you become like Jesus first. And when he said that, he opened my understanding to the hurt I was starting to take in because I felt like the church really didn't care at large. And he said, Dan, you're letting your heart be vulnerable to where people seem to be instead of just living true to me and keeping your heart. And just Jesus went through this every day. And it didn't change love. If anything, it makes a greater draw on love. So God showed me that it was false motivation. And I started to bawl. I curled up in a ball and bawling because I realized without him fathering me, I would walk off the cliff. I realized in my own wisdom, I would mess up so bad. Without God fathering me, I would make a mistake today without him fathering me. You see what I mean? And it just, it, it did a whole lot of good for me. And then he began to show me how, he actually spoke to me and showed me how uh, people go and force ministry with those motivations and the things they're doing aren't calling. They're motivated by this stuff. And because God's still faithful, because he loves people, he honors his word. It's a paradox. Isn't it amazing how sometimes God works with our limited ways? It just seems that way. It's amazing. I, but he's just amazing. But, but what he was showing me is that a lot of people, then their heart is in jeopardy if they never get a grip on that. You talk to some of these ministers that are honest and humble. Uh, Heidi Baker, how can't you love her just because of what God's doing through her? But, 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 but her integrity, her humility, boldly sharing how God's opening the eyes of the blind. She's saying, are you saying I'm blind? Yeah, you've lost your love for my people in America. And da, da, da. And you don't even want to go. You, you judge them based on and, and, uh, precious uh, people like that, exposing that. Randy Clark, when I first met him, this doesn't exploit anything. It shows his integrity and humility because God... God already because he's a man of God he's amazing and and he said where have you been internationally and I said nowhere he said nowhere I said no he said why we go all these trips you could go somewhere I said no and I started to cry I only met Randy it was my first five minutes meeting Randy Clark in his house it was only five minutes we were talking and and I was crying and I said you know I think deep down in and that that was really what I'm was back then now it's different I, it's not I, it's not that what I'm telling you now that's shifted but I said back then I said I think I have a concern that I'll go there and God will move in a greater way than I've seen him in my own backyard and it'll compel me to leave my backyard and I've got to see God move in my yard and I said I don't want my heart to get hard towards America and I was crying and Randy's eyes filled with tears 
And he said, God's been speaking to my heart for two years about that because that's where I was heading because God does all these wild things in, in, in Argentina and Brazil and the places we go. And, and, uh, but he said, God's been conditioning my heart that way. He loves his people in America and that's why we're doing healing conferences every month in this country to raise a higher level of understanding and open the doors through understanding for God to move in this country. So what Randy was saying is, yeah, I understand. But God's fashioning my own heart for his own people right here. And he's weeping too. So we're standing there crying and we're only talking five minutes. That's integrity. But it's, it's honesty. Heidi, it's honesty. Come on. You, you're preaching and you go on a missions trip. And, and you go see blind eyes open. Or you see the lame walk and you come back home. And, and you're like... Oh, and you're trying to put your relativity and the things that it all did to you and you're expecting everybody to understand and, 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 and be in the same passion and then you, you start judging people because you think, well, they are. how come you aren't excited? And you think they have to feel what you feel and if they don't jump as high as you jump, then, well, maybe we don't even want them. Maybe I need to just, maybe I'm called to Africa. Maybe forget America. I got to go to Africa. And that's what happens to people and that, zoo it drives them. But then it projects back here and it judges here when who knows we have that same capacity. We just have to be careful with that. So that's how God handled that. He fathered me and he exposed that motive. Now why? Here's a good question. Yeah. Oh God. Why? The reason I'm hesitating because... I get concerned that people are going to hear certain things in a judgment here. I'm going to have to walk this through. It ain't going away. I'm waiting for it to. <laughs> Why am I hearing that stuff in my bedroom instead of walking off into the lie? How come we walk off into the lie sometimes and 20 years later we can't even face it because if we face it the last 20 years or what are who knows what I'm saying? Why, why does God come in my car when I'm thinking just for one mile down the road? One mile down the road, I'm thinking negative for one mile. And that's not me. You have no idea. That's not me to be quiet and thinking negative for one mile down the road. And God let me go one mile and couldn't take it anymore. He nudged me and said, boy, now would be a good time to practice all the stuff you preach. Why is he intervening like that? And because I've walked my bedroom countless times and told him my life is his. I have more confidence in your ability to keep me than me being deceived. I can't be my own keeper. I'll steward my heart, God, and keep it according to your word. But you're the one that lives my life through me. It's your grace that rules me. God, father me. If you have to kick me in the butt, kick me in the butt because you love me. But keep me on course and don't let me take one step to the side. My life is yours. Countless times pray that. Kneel, pray that. Cry when you're not looking and mean that. You follow me? If you have more of a need to build a kingdom than minister a kingdom that's already built, you'll make a lot of those mistakes. We're not building a kingdom. We're ministering one that's already built. <laughs> Are you getting this? If I have a need, if my ministry, if I have such a push for a ministry, I probably ought to chill. 
and get a little closer to Jesus. Because <laughs> it's not about your ministry. It's about manifesting him and living him. Some people are striving and they're not content until their ministry. <laughs> that puts everything in question. You don't own a thing. You don't have a, it's everything you have is by grace. You're not even your own. You're purchased with a price. <laughs> this fellow David's coming. You better grab this kind of stuff because I'll promise, well, you'll get it till he leaves. <laughs> there was a season in my life, I, all I listened to was his stuff. It was a pretty long season, actually, because it was full of commitment. Discipline and loyalty to the truth. Militant. Like, like militant mindset. No nonsense. I tell people God's for me to be gentle and smiley. I'm extremely militant. I'm way more of a warrior than you would define me. You're not the devil. If you were the devil, you'd understand. There's no compromise in my heart. You can hardly say that without crying. There's no compromise in my heart. I'm very militant. I don't have a yes where there's a no. And I don't have a no where there's a yes. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You get alone and establish. I don't know why he does this to me in front of you. It's like, ah, oh, it's the stuff he does when I'm in my room. He just gets me like this. There's a place for that. It's called Surrender. It's called getting true to your own heart and keeping yourself really squeaky, clear, and clean so you look in the mirror and smile and have an unveiled face continually where there's no compromise of heart, where you don't have any conflict of soul, where you're not trying to muddle through stuff to find your way back to him. That's not worth it. (laughs) So I have to be real with why I'm alive today. And I can be my own best friend in that. That's the good news. And it has nothing to do with you. It's my privilege to be my own best friend. If I put that on you, I'm going to find an excuse for the flesh. I'm going to find a reason why I'm not where I'm called. And it'll have to do with something you did or didn't do or said or didn't said. That is foolish, empty, and vain. That has nothing to do with truth. You have a right to him. And if you're letting somebody else, a factor or a thing, keep you from him, you're being way deceived. No one, no one can keep me from him. <laughs> it's, see, it's impossible. Watch this. It's impossible to emotionally abuse me. It's impossible to turn me into a floor mat or doormat. You cannot. You cannot, emotional abuse isn't even a realistic, real thing in the kingdom of heaven. It's not. Or God is so trashed right now, he needs ministry. Because we have had, how many times have we stepped out in God with zeal only to back off? How many times have we promised only to break the promise? How many times have we said we're in and we were out? And da-da-da. If God lived like we think, he's a basket case. We have broke his heart and broke his trust so many times that he can't even hear you when you pray. Because yeah, yeah, la-la-la-la-la. 
You can only be emotionally abused when you're allowing your life and identity to depend on people. How's that? You, it's impossible to emotionally abuse me. I know who I am. <laughs> so why do I have a problem if you don't? That doesn't make me have a problem if you don't know who I am. Watch. If you don't know who you are, why would I allow that to breed on me to affect who I am if I already know who I am? I'm not what you say I am or what you say I'm not. I'm what he says I am and I'm established in that and it purifies my heart and gives me confidence so I can finally love you in the midst of whatever. But if I say, well, I'm this way because they would, well, you don't know, but for three years, well, they should have known. Well, how will you feel? For three years, they put me through that. They said that every day for three years. And just think of you to heard that every day for three years. See, that makes rational, psychological sense, but the kingdom doesn't understand that. <laughs> Why do we take, because we need this way, affirmation, because we haven't received it this way. My own wife could live out a character, and it would just make a draw of Christ in me. It, it, it can't hurt me. My own wife has no power to take what you see in me. She can edify it. She can add to it. She can bless it. But I promise you, my own wife can't touch it. <laughs> that just freaks people out. Because we think the people closest to us can hurt us the most. Because we have permission to be hurt. I don't even know what you mean. The people closest to us can hurt us the most. I thought we love the people closest to us. I thought love takes no account of a suffer wrong and doesn't seek its own. <laughs> so do we love or do we need? Whoa. What do you mean the people closest to us hurt us the most? It's because you put more trust in them, expectation, demand. And you think because of your relationship with them that they owe you certain things. Well, in your life, you're to live trustworthy. And you're to live integral. But I'm not to put my trust in you. But he's supposed to live trustworthy. But I'm not to put my trust in him. But he's supposed to live trustworthy. Do you get this? You guys are real quiet. Watch this. I use this all the time. It would be a normal reaction because we were cultivated this way in the world. To walk in on your spouse and find them with another person. The church totally understands this. That if you walk in the house and your wife or your husband's with another person, your reaction is broken. Can't believe you did that to me. I put my trust in you. I thought we had a covenant. I could, I could just quote line after line of the justification to be devastated because the reality is they just did the unthinkable. And then the church would surround that person that was violated and victimize them and give them permission to be devastated because of the atrocity of the violation. And now all the feelings and emotions are justified because everyone else would feel the same way. 
And what we miss is that the person that walked in on the spouse, nothing's changed in Christ. They don't have a problem. Their beloved covenant partners trapped somehow in darkness and something's desperately wrong. And all we can think is, how could you do that to me instead of what has happened to you? All we can think of is, how could you do this to me and the children? And then we become the living product of their despair and darkness and pain. And the church at best wraps their arm around us and says, man, I'm sorry they did that to you. Instead of putting it in perspective of love and the kingdom and truth, not to enable their sin, but to rescue their soul. <laughs> you don't have to relate to this, and there's no way I can technically prove it today. But I promise you in my heart, I already know, nothing like that would move me except to draw love out of me. There's no way I would cry for me in a situation like that. That would jerk my heart for the one I say I love because if that would be the situation, something's desperately wrong and you wouldn't see one tear for me. Not one. Because I haven't lost anything but the ability to be what could... I haven't lost anything. This is a privilege. It's not a need. This is an honor. And when sin abounds, grace abounds more. So why when sin abounds do we collapse? And justify the collapse because of the magnitude of sin. So we magnify the sin to justify the weakness of our own understanding at the cost of becoming love. I know it feels heavy because it's so different. So Matt and Brent are in the church. Who's humble enough to be the bad guy for an analogy? Who wants to be the bad guy? Matt threw his hand right out. That's all right. Brent didn't care either. So Matt and Brent have a relationship in the church. They've been together in the church for years, working in ministry. We've gotten to know them and love them. They've been in the family of God for 10 years now in the same congregation. We think we know them. We've seen their lives. And all of a sudden, Matt just betrays Brent and does just something ridiculous. It's just like one of those things where when you're pastoring, you find this all the time. You think you've seen everything until you see more. <laughs> Serious. True. Irene knows she's been in ministry at a certain level for a long time. It's, you, you think you can't be surprised, and then you get surprised. So here's Matt. He does this thing to Brent and just leaves the church. And it might not be right now that he's ashamed or he's just hurt or he's, you know, I can't believe everybody's, oh, I can't believe I did it. He just could be hurt, bitter, almost seem wanton, whatever. Here's what we do. We run to Brent expecting him to be crushed. Affirming every reason to be crushed. Exploiting the bad that Matt did. and Wrapping arms around him. Calling it sensitivity and compassion. 
And probably the worst thing you could do is give him permission to be broken. If I was their friend, especially their pastor, but even their friend in that situation, and Brent would come to me weeping and tell me the story, I would look him in the eyes and say, look at me, buddy. Where's those tears right now for? Who are you crying for? Because I feel like right now we should be crying for Matt. Yeah, but look what he did. You have no problem. There's a feeling of a reality of a broken seemingly right now relationship. God is bigger than the flesh, sir. Matt's in big trouble. If he has the capacity to do this, to live among us for all these years, there's something we need to cry out for God. We will not cry for ourselves on this. We will cry for our brother. I will not give you permission to be broken because because what it does is it, it makes you a victim. And psychology, and even Christian psychology, embraces the whole victim thing. There's no help when you feel like a victim. It actually gives you permission to feel sorry for yourself and you'll never be formed in love. Man, we're ending on a nice hot topic. How many of us would in sheer tendency just feel sorry for Brent and cuddle him at the expense of Matt? And now we uphold the crime and embrace the victim. And we call that love. (laughs) And I call that flesh. (laughs) Y'all all right? I'm going to leave you with that because it's, boy, it's quiet in here. I'm not used to it being that quiet in school. You're struggling with what I'm saying. You really just seek the Lord on this. There's a lot of scripture. We can, we'll nail this thing down. It'll happen. But here's the deal. Oh, man, I'm going to end on a really, probably a stronger statement yet, okay? Can you guys take any more? Are you all right? Can you take any more? If I become love and understand love, I'm not even thinking of going that way with Brent. But if I live that way myself and I'm vulnerable to hurt and I see through those eyes, it's my instant reaction to cuddle him because it's how I live. And that's why we do it. It's the expression of how we live. And we know we'd feel the same way. So we think compassion is supporting him instead of ministering the heart of God to him. That's why the church has support groups in these like topics. And it identifies you for former pain. And everybody goes and relates to one another's story. And can I get gross with it? And you get in the room and you lick each other's wounds and nobody's ever healed. All these support groups, we need to take the titles off of them. We're one in Christ. Your resume isn't you know, 50 and divorced or under 35 and divorced and single mothers and da 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 Because now you can't get to where you really are called because you have to go through this because this is me. <sighs> Don't label yourself except in Christ. Yes. <laughs> you get it? So, 
Thanks for just playing the bad guy in an analogy mat and being the good guy in reality. Amen? We bless you. <laughs> and Brent, knock it off and walk in love. No. <laughs> Stand to your feet. That's close. We're done. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> He has, this might be a good time to do this if, if they can do it there. Just that DVD, but I got to shoot out. You, he has a DVD of a something that happened when we were ministering. He, he said some people want to see it. But we were talking about love and things. And he said it's a perfect example of love. And not, you know, even, even against the demonic and staying in a place of love. So I don't know what it looks like on the DVD. Things are a blur to me when you minister. But I remember it was precious. And I don't know if you guys want to hang around, if it's possible. I don't know, Josh back there, if we have the ability to play a DVD on the screen. If, you're, if you are available is what I'm saying. But I'm going to cut out. But if you want to hang around and watch that just as a stamp of where we're heading in this whole love thing. It might be a good visual is what Brent thought. That's why he brought it. He just felt like it was important to see. It's only three or four minutes. But I'm going to bolt. And, uh, but let's lift our hands to the, to the Father. Father, just thank you. You're working your heart in us. You're, you're, you're molding us. You're shaping us. I'm going to make a declaration for us all and just believe we're all in, okay? We're willing to become love. We're laying down all of our rights. We're not vulnerable. We have no rights to be hurt, devastated, and broken. If there's passion in our heart, it's for the finished work of Christ. If there's holy zeal and righteous anger, it's all healthy. And it's all for the cause of your kingdom being established. But it's not personal. It's not personal agenda. It's not just because we're hurt or mad or frustrated. Our motives are pure, God. You're purifying us. And our motives, Lord God, are being made pure. We desire to live in truth and manifest freedom. And we thank you for what you doing in our lives. We give you all the honor and thank you for the great example of your life that we can follow. In your name, Jesus, we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay. Love you guys. I got a bolt. Destiny's not going to be on my shirt tape.